But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Spitballing Pod. Massive episode today. We have five guests coming on. Not one, two, three, four. Five guests. We've got four different sports. We've got probably the Hall of Fame of the Spitballing Pod coming on today. Anyway, I thought the best way for us to get straight into it, and we'll have a little reminisce. the first guest. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm sure we'll have a reminisce throughout the podcast, but I thought... Two staples of our intros down the years have been Strange News of the Week and I Can't Believe That Was On TV. So I've got one of each to kick us off, get the juices flowing. And the premise here is uh, we're not going to have a uh, like seven-man podcast. So every half an hour, Rory gets an extra 15 minutes and uh, we'll rotate them. We've got a little waiting chair for people to get clocked into. So if you're a door open, that's going to be why. And uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes. So, all the way back on February twenty first, twenty seventeen, the first podcast took place in my living room. We had the kerfuffle of moving a table throughout three rooms, which was far harder than you thought, and even harder to get it back out. But alas, we'll get into strange news of the week first. One that you may have seen already. Has everyone seen about uh, the girl who had Harry Styles tattooed on her face? <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Shock horror! She's come out and gone. This was a massive publicity stunt, as if, as if this was like really like groundbreaking stuff. The equivalent of that Tom Daly video where he had the break. I've got a massive groundbreaking announcement for you here. Come on, you don't need to tell us. We already we already knew. But she's come out here and said it was all to promote her latest single, which has found itself in the footnote of all of these news stories. And so she's got all these massive views, and she thinks because of that, her talent is going to take her further, and everyone's going to forget about how ridiculous of a thing this is. Ain't, nobody's forgetting that. It don't matter how talented you are. That ain't being forgotten. Another thing, uh, one of the staples of the show, I thought, is I, I like giving Alex a little question on the spot because my favourite thing about Alex, I think, is if I give him a hypothetical question, he really does immerse himself <laughs> in the scenario. You also pick the moments for our most vulnerable. Exactly. So full, full, busiest day of the week for me. I've come here without any tea post training. I'm vulnerable. Episode 100. You, you do things, you do anything for that. Anything. Rory. It's right. It's right. Oh, yeah. Top of my agenda. Top yeah, of my agenda. I haven't agenda. told you what the, what the price is yet. All right. So, Alex, you can't have too long to think here. You've got to go off the top of your head. This is dangerous. Someone, you have to get someone's face tattooed on yours. Whose face do you get tattooed? He hasn't gone straight over the other half. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Let's go. Let's go. Napoleon. 
That's not, <laughs> that's not not the answer I thought. I thought the obvious may have been someone like Giroud. G- uh, yeah, Giroud. Yeah, definitely. I think Giroud would have been my pick. I let's go. Having, let's go historic thinking. and let's go Napoleon. All right. So uh, we'll line that up now. If PSG, uh, if United don't win the Champions League, that's your forfeit that you've uh, just stumbled <laughs> into. The odds, the odds are still like you know, in terms of you, me being crowned by you. We're going to get onto bowing. that. Has he got like a cash out here that he has to have it on his arm if he cashes out now? <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining him walking into the tattoo parlor and being like, "Look, this might sound a little odd. My face, Napoleon. You heard of him? <laughs> He's got a picture, mate." <laughs> All right, unless uh, anyone else has uh, someone they want to get off their chest to be tattooed, then we'll move on. I'm uh, conscious of uh, time restrictions and making sure we flow smoothly like a Royal Rumble. I can't believe that was on TV! All right, if we get on then to I Can't Believe That Was On TV, the most coveted podcast feature in the world. I've mixed it up again. Just when you think the, the feature might be dead, I pull something else out of the bag. And this time we have the talk show edition I've got 10 headlines that you'll struggle to believe. Well, maybe not struggle to believe, but if you can immerse yourself in the scenario, maybe if there's uh, something interesting, then we'll we'll ask for Alex, TK or Rory's take on uh, what they would do in this situation if the lie detector was to come back against their favour. Um, if I start us off uh, fairly softly, um, the first one here is, I cheated because you're fat. This was one from Maury. Um, the audience weren't too sympathetic with the woman. They were, and then they saw her come out. Basically, he, he's got he's got with this bird. She's been all, all all nice and fancy. He was arguably punching when they first uh, got together. As it's gone down, this got to the point where even he's been looking, thinking he doesn't want to take a punch off her because she's uh, grown to be a bit of a whopper. So he's decided, that's fair enough, I can cheat here. Obviously, he's been caught, and it's gone from there. Look, fair, fair enough to you. It wasn't as sold. He's got with her. It's been false pretenses. If he got with her and turned out later that he hated her personality, <laughs> we wouldn't have a problem with him. Cheating. So why is it that physically she's allowed to... I don't know. Well, we can flip it now because this one is uh, against a female and it's a, it's a man here saying, uh, I'll marry you if you prove you've only cheated 18 times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one was on. Uh, this one was on Jeremy Kyle. Um, Where else could it be? She 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 had cheated more times, oh. and uh, he still winded up yeah, proposing. Basically Not said, yeah yeah. He was said oh. basically, <laughs> look, I think I can believe what she's saying now. This was in the past, and she hadn't admitted to putting a ring on the finger is going to be the difference maker here. This is going to stop it. That's like looking at a weekend accumulator of 10 football matches and thinking, yeah, do you know what? Do you know what? This tenner I'm slapping on this will get me that 100 grand. I don't know what sponsors Alex has got here. Tenner on a tenfold. Yeah. That's very telling. Well, weddings, it's a comparison to you know putting the ring on somebody. If it's just thought it was anything, it's marry them, have kids, and that will solve all your problems, especially <laughs> on Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> All right, the ante is up. To... <laughs> this one's a bit more mysterious, actually. Um, where was my boyfriend when he said he was behind the chicken shop? <laughs> this was another Jeremy Kyle one. Um, turned out he actually was behind the chicken shop. Yes. <laughs> so, bit of an anticlimax there, but the... what was he doing behind the chicken shop? Was it specified? 
uh, I, I'm not from memory and there was nothing too bold. I feel like that would have been uh, in the article if it was. So, no, this was a rare happy ending where Faith was restored. He was behind the chicken shop. Chicken <laughs> brings people together. Yeah. All right, we'll, con- <laughs> we'll continue to... Um, have I been sleeping with my brother? <laughs> Alex, what would you do in this scenario? <laughs> the, the Game of Thrones effect. <laughs> Um, I didn't get an answer for this one, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. Tricky thing is, this could be a DNA test one. It could be a lie detector one. You don't know. <laughs> Have I? <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you ever uh, sit down to watch a bit of Jeremy Carl USA, people sleeping with their cousins is far more common than you would believe it to be. Almost worryingly so. I think that's not really an issue, is it? I think, for example, they could be that. If that was the question was an American one, it could be. I thought I was sleeping with my cousin, but was it actually my brother? The, the line was fine until it became too close. Anybody see that story going around recently where they, this woman broke up with a, of a half because uh, said they, he had a frightening relationship with his sister where they'd very often <laughs> share a bed. I saw this on a Jeremy Carl USA one, and uh, I mean, I'm kind of opening, opening the book here and showing quite how much uh, talk shows I do end up watching. <laughs> but yeah, there was a... There was a bloke who brought uh his girlfriend on the show to basically say look i think it's really uncomfortable she gets like changed in front of him he walks around the house he just like stays sat in her bed while she's got out of the shower and all sorts and I'm like, well look if brothers how we were brought up we're just close he goes off and plays a psg in between <laughs> plays a brazilian national team then comes and fucks his sister do you see that thing again yeah he was he uh co- coincidentally before he had his big injury he was injured again for his sister's birthday <laughs> Neymar, if you're uh, unsure, if you look each each oh, each year, oh, me. I didn't say it. right, and it, it rhymes with Schweimar. <laughs> each year, he's uh, off on his sister's birthday. Injured at the moment. Every time he's might be a Brazilian injured. thing. Do you remember Oscar had that picture where he had the two birds either side, and it turned out they were his sisters. He's good looking, good looking <laughs> bloke though. So it's a strong gene pool. What, what are you gonna do? <laughs> this might be the last episode if uh, we continue in <laughs> we continue in this vein. <laughs> <laughs> the next one I know you're cheating stop blaming the dog <laughs> these are all if you go if you search these you'll see a screen grab at least I, I, I don't I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap out for this one beautiful Carl Walker then the Pollock talk show <laughs> see that wouldn't be one of our episodes without that being brought up nostalgic alright um I'll prove I didn't smash your shire horse. Can you prove you didn't smash my car? <laughs> Most of these are British, as uh, you can maybe tell. The shire horse. Right, so we're, we're, the tone's going to be lowered slightly. I'm not your boyfriend. I'm your pimp. <laughs> the R. Kelly edition. His latest album. And just to close us out before we get into some sports, Dad, I'm a pregnant hooker. <laughs> this one was American, if it, if it fulfills any pride with us. <laughs> we had the shenanigans behind the chicken shop. <laughs> they don't wrap up their hookers, so uh, we'll, we'll carry on from there. I'm sure we'll get back into uh, similar things like this. We, we have Rory for about half an hour longer before he uh, goes off to play Skittles. He's uh, given us time before. Rather than listen to some uh, pre-game music, he's got us to hype him up. 
So I will admit we've had this one in the pipeline for the past month, maybe, and each week we've gone over and then over and over. Probably a good thing, I suppose. It means we do have things to talk about. We're not just uh, going on for the sake of it. But we do now have, going all the way back, in the run-up to his bout with Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner has been constantly labelled as an underachiever. He did underachieve again. <laughs> he, he did underachieve in the post-fight, <laughs> post-fight interview. That was absolutely comical. <laughs> Who are the biggest ever underachievers in sport? If... Uh, Shall I kick us off if anyone... Uh... I'll go. All right, go on then. I'll go. Um, so, obviously, we had the uh, Super Bowl last night. Uh, so, I'll start off with NFL. Um, Washington Redskins. At one time, I'm pretty sure they were the fourth richest and probably one of the most influential sports teams in the world, which is a statement when you throw them up against the likes of Real Madrid, United, Barcelona, the big, the uh, the footballs, the true football teams, you know. Uh, but... Um, yeah, the Redskins, really. Um, my my NFL team, a loose NFL fan. The odd little bit of viewing. But... No, come on. You were a big fan when they were ahead in the playoffs against the Packers. And then <laughs> by the time the game ended, suddenly. Biggest mistake I ever made was the reason they lost that is because I fell asleep. And I woke up to the messages. But yeah, no. Um, I, um, I, my, um, my first introduction to NFL was um, I finished work late on a Sunday evening, got back. Uh, was late, just wanted to watch something on TV, feeling a bit of sports. Ended up watching Redskins, and um, it was uh, RG3 Masterclass uh, dragging a team to the. Uh, My the, man. Yeah, and you could isolate him as a bit of an underachiever as well, in terms of he never really turned into what everybody was building him he's up back, to he, be. He's back in the league now as a third choice quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Washington Redskins um, still to this day haven't really managed to achieve it. I'm pretty sure they what, still rank really high. Well, the biggest uh, talking point for them now is whether they should change their name more than what they actually do on the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so a bit of an uh, obvious one for us in particular. So I've got England's golden generation. When when you look back where well, we probably didn't quite realise what we had at the time. I think we did. Yeah. I think that was the problem. Cashley. Gerard Lampard, so they couldn't play together. Beckham, Skulls, Rooney. Rooney. Yeah, you, we can we can go on and on. Uh, Paul Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe if we'd had a half decent keeper, we'd have been all, we'd have been all right. Owen Hardgreaves. He probably yeah he, he was he was in there. He, he doesn't half uh, make sure you know now that he did once play for Bayern. <laughs> he can be commentating on League Two football. And he goes, you know what? This takes me back to German football. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he adopts that German accent every yeah. time he's commentating <laughs> as well. But no, with, with them, that's probably the most clear one I can think of where you had literally all of the components and it wasn't even so much of a case of there was a much better team around at the same time and there were certainly other great teams, but it was England shooting themselves in the foot rather than coming up against a team that you can look back and go, you know what? probably didn't deserve to get past them or we probably just came up against a better team on a day so that that's a massive one I always think with that England squad now um, if you were to pick one vulnerability like you put out a starting 11 in the sort of the standard formation that you sort of tended to go for back in that time was you know 4-4-2 4-4-1-1 um, and the clear vulnerability was like left, left midfield if you had to pick and then the luxury of not being able to pick the three the perfect three that you wanted in the middle or the perfect two um, but the way that the game has moved on now in terms of the favoured formations, um, I'm trying to think if there's any sort of setup which would have suited that England squad better now and approach 
to the game now that would maybe would have got that eleven to work. You'd probably say like a four two three one and you can get Rooney or Owen up top, you get three behind the striker and you yeah. can have Lampard and Gerard in beyond that. Yeah. But that four four one one, what an era that was. <laughs> that was your preset formation on a FIFA when you first got it. You have you probably Rooney as your cover star at the time. What a time to look back on. All about that Raphael van der Vaart and Crouchy combo. Four one one. Crouchy back in the Prem. What a time to be alive that is. <laughs> Alright, what else have we got here then? So I mean if we stick with football, the Argentine national team is another one. When when you look back at the fact they've got the best player in the world and it's still not coming to fruition, even in the Copper America and all things all kind of sorts of things like that, you'd think at least they would get some honours under their belt. That's what's uh, largely shaped my perception of Higuain. Just watch, <laughs> watching the look on Messi's face gradually as he has to put up with him every single time. We had Real Madrid for a long period of time who are known as the Galacticos but managed to win, I think, two league titles in seven years. That That's deceptive, isn't it? Because going through, I, I would have just assumed they had more. And it's only when you look back or if someone was... points it out, like, actually, yeah. I think it was 0-2, 0-3 they won it and then 0-6, 0-7 they won it. That's a big gap for a team that was spending ridiculous sums of money on... Rafa won the league with uh, Valencia in that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, we've got the Six Nations on at the moment, so probably worth a rugby team a mention. Uh, the French French national squad never really achieved that much, if anything at all, in the rugby uh, international stage. Um, I can't think of anything, a consistent level of performance that they've shown. They always seem to crumble. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Beating New Zealand to cost everyone millions of pounds, I think, which may be about all they did. But, uh, other than that, yeah, they were perennial contenders, but never winners. I think a team that tends to get away with it in football, but shouldn't, if we go with stick with national teams as well, is the Dutch. Bearing in mind, they've had some unbelievable players and some great teams down the years. So they've never won a World Cup or a European Championship. is insane. They won the Euros, didn't they? they won, yeah, they actually, they did. Won, 88, was it? I was going to say 78. No, no, 78 was World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, all right. But just the teams they've had just weren't... For, they should have achieved far more. And they've had plenty of tournaments that they haven't even qualified for. When we didn't qualify for Euro 2008, it was like the world had imploded. But for them, it just seems to be... Didn't qualify for the 2002 World Cup. Didn't qualify for, obviously, the last one. They've had some great players in there. And it's kind of... You can't really justify not qualifying. To be fair, another international team, um, and it's more isolating one period of time uh, up until recently, was the Portuguese national team when they had Luis Figo, Deco, a young Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, is that sort of squad you would have expected that to go on and win something like a Euro or possibly a World Cup? Yeah, to look at it from kind of a different perspective, you've kind of got these guys that never reach their potential, but sometimes you look and they really do have all the intangibles, and so. You could kind of put them down as underachievers. When you look at, um, I think, one of the biggest busts of all time is uh, Greg Oden, drafted uh, number one in 2007 by the Trailblazers, ahead of Kevin Durant. Um, then he went on, embraced the hype, gave himself all of, all, all of the big licks, said, I hope I can get a bunch of championships, like 15 is the famous interview he said. What? Um, then went on, underwent microfracture surgery on his right knee before he even played an NBA game, then played 82 games total before being cut from the league came back for half a season and then was dropped out again. You know that you know it always happens where you get where you get a player like that and one team's like maybe we're the ones that can find that yeah. talent within him. Probably what we've had with Ross Barkley for the past. <laughs> he's probably he's linked with someone you always question whether they're going to be the ones to uh, bring it back. It happened with Torres for <laughs> every ever since he uh, left Chelsea. That's what 
Balotelli's tour around the world's been, hasn't it? It's been a club for all right. We'll take a chance. We'll be the one to do it. Yeah, he's he's been not been uh, putting much good light on Italy before we go there uh, this Sunday. <laughs> he said he, he he's uh, been all over the world and he's never experienced a place with more racial hatred than Italy, which isn't surprising when you see some of the kind of footage that he's endured. And... Yeah, yeah. I'll be right. I'm paler than the moon. I should be right. <laughs> So just to keep it in that uh, same category then before we move on, whenever you think of someone that didn't live up to their potential, Freddie Adu, the one that uh, (laughs) jumped straight up, drafted uh, in the MLS draft at 14 years old, youngest ever player to score in the MLS, uh, then went on to play for, I believe it was, uh, I think it's around 15 other teams before eventually calling it a day. And now he plays part-time and does nightclub appearances in between. So that really is the clear fall from grace. So he's he's gone from lining up with potentially some of the Landon Donovan, some of the USA's <laughs> best, to lining up with the Wildstone Raider on a nightclub. What a fucking fall from grace that is. I see him trotting about, and I question that why people are still hounding him for pictures. Yeah, like it can't be that much of an outrageous thing when you see him pop up now. And I do feel bad for him because he does seem to just get manhandled or into a Snapchat just to shout my mate out and say that you're going to do him in. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just what his life has now become. And he's not getting any younger looking at him. Um, I mean, as, as Packers fans, you'd have to probably say Aaron Rodgers would be one for us. But just by When you weigh it up and you say arguably the most talented player to play in the NFL and then one ring, and that's where the team sports come in because... Has he underachieved because of the team around him, or some would argue opposite? And then you look at it, Brady is probably the opposite, who's overachieved. So I'd make the same argument for um, Russell Wilson. You say one of the, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the and has had good teams around him. Bear in mind, it was it just what, the one Super Bowl ring for him. So that sort of Legion of Boom era, they'll kind of look back on that, I think, and maybe think they should have had one or two more in there. And he's obviously the sort of figurehead of that. A couple of boxers to throw in the mix. You've got Chad Dawson, someone who was just able to have all of the talent in the world and never quite uh, peaked there. And so, someone else uh, back on, I mean, um, Yuri Yorkis Gamboa, another one who had all of the yeah. intangibles. And I mean, I picked him going into the Crawford fight, which looks quite foolish now <laughs> when you look back. And then he even had a comeback. And then again, people are like, oh, this is going to be the time. He's got the division. It's gone wide open for him. I think he struggled to make weight and then was cleaned out by a journeyman. So, and then someone else, Zab Judah. When you when you look back at the abilities there, you look back at the way he's spoken of. And I mean, losses to Khan, Garcia, Malinaji, Cotto, Mayweather, Clotty. No real big wins on his resume. Mm-hmm. So all of his world title wins have been against guys who he's he's never really that I can instantly pop in my head won a fight that he shouldn't have won. Yeah, true. He's had some good performers in there as well. I'd, I'd be interested with him. Is it was he unfortunate in terms of the people he lost to were always world level? To be fair, you should beat poorly, really. He's kind of the, sort of, almost the gatekeeper, isn't he? Sort of. Four years old so yeah, I don't know. I I was thinking with boxing, whether we want to admit it or not, Nas is probably a classic case of someone who could have achieved more. I think the first time he got dealt a loss, he just couldn't deal with it and then cash that out. That's, the first time he came up with someone who wanted to box and move is against Pereira and he couldn't deal with it. 
Yeah, worryingly as well. Have you ever heard the interview where he speaks about that fight? He says, "Yeah, I just turned up thinking I was going to win. Didn't really train. <laughs> you just think, and then to then just essentially say, yeah, I'm done. I don't want yeah. any further parts.'" Well, that, well, that's a clear kind of characteristic of an underachiever is you need to be able to deal with loss or you need to be able to have the mentality to make sure you're in a position to not be able to yeah. to take the loss. And that's one of the things with Zab Judah, isn't it? Where his attitude was always one of the things that they said held him back. I mean, I've seen people say ability-wise that, well, I mean, it's kind of the, the guy to be compared to. But there's all people who say that Mayweather perhaps wasn't the most talented but it's someone who regardless of what he was doing would always implement and get every ounce of his talent possible there's the clips in there i mean you don't know what's for insta and what isn't but going running after being at a club at 4am and then getting in a cryo chamber and all that kind of thing is that regardless of whether that looks stupid or whether you shouldn't be there in the first place that still Mm -hmm. takes i mean i'm on a saturday where i'll uh ordering food when I know that if walking 15 minutes around the corner I'm going to prefer the food but I just don't want to walk there <laughs> and waste that so I mean to be when Audley Harrison was piped up as a big time fighter <laughs> yeah there's all sorts you can chuck in there David David Price in there with that as well but then the, the thing that kind of separates them is when you look in hindsight and you and you ask how much hype has gone into that but Broner is one of the ones who's talked about being the biggest underachiever purely because we've seen the success that he'd had previously in his career and some people kind of equate that down to now him just being kind of a, a bigger guy or harder hitting but you still have to go through the talented fighters he was going through and the way he was going through them by the age of 23 he was like you know world champion the, 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 he's, what, he's a six weight or something like that now the, oh, <laughs> I think he was, in was my he mind three weight, three weight world champ by 23 24 well he, he, his thing is he seems to be able to deal with loss which is one thing we say but then the next time once you kind of someone gives you an excuse for the loss or you see that you can get another fight after having the big loss, then it probably takes that away. And he has about eight kids, which <laughs> doesn't help. Then he you could think, have been one of the opening headlines. You, you, know I mean? <laughs> you, you think he stops hanging around with Floyd Mayweather and ends up with Javonta Davis. And it's like, you probably should start choosing uh, your circle a bit better. But that's kind of attitude is probably the biggest thing that weighs into being an underachiever. Because there's, there's far worse guys that achieve more just on hard work. There's a, there's a few names that may be following on from that. Not so much attitude, but maybe mentality or the ability to win. But one spot that I follow quite closely, golf. The amount of players, so we had Luke Donald, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, even Ricky Fowler these days, even though he won yesterday. Players that are perennial contenders for majors. They're always the bridesmaid, never the bride, as yeah. you're saying. Mm-hmm. The amount of times you see them, they're up there come Sunday and they always falter. Mm-hmm. Matt Kuchar, another example. Players that Your just... Boy. Coochie. Not not mine, no. One <laughs> of those. You, I thought you had a big winner on him. No, uh, no, 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 not me. I, I really remember his Cooch. name. Put him in an article there. Yeah, Jordan <laughs> Spieth. I, I bet was uh, for the spitball. Oh, there was an awful. There was an awful uh, phase where I think half of Twitter was just backing Jordan Spieth before a major and then claiming it to be some unbelievable <laughs> tip when it came. Yeah, in. I mean, he, he has uh, only won two majors. Like you know, we get an overhyped when people are backing him blind. You know, Brooks Kepka won two majors last year. If you want to go down that road. But the, the four names, Matsuyama. <laughs> the four names that I mentioned just a minute ago, you know, three from slightly further ago. Colin Montgomery's another one. Players that continually got themselves into position but could never win. You'd probably have to deem that underachievers. I mean, Sergio's now got one major, but he was talked about when he first burst on the scene as a player that was going to dominate the game. I mean, maybe they've been a bit unlucky. I mean, the sport of golf does now have tens of contenders every tournament. This this is separate to the topic, but I was thinking about this yesterday and I was flicking through the channels and uh, 
seeing golf is always on on some channel. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, I don't know how many others are like it. You could sell golf to me far easier if it was one bloke against another rather than about 80 blokes on at the same time and I saw a back and forth with them going against each other. Well, I mean, that that is the premise of match play. Match play, you play against one of the person stroke play, you play four-day event. But that's why the Ryder Cup captivates people more yeah, than no, perhaps... Maybe I'll dig in this year. I've uh, slated plenty of sports and wound up then uh, watching them non-stop. But golf seems to be one where... I mean, I said it about cricket and I can get into one day... Test cricket, I don't think you're ever going to sell me on. But <laughs> you can get him into the big bash. That'll be about it. That's that's literally if if I'm uh, working from home, I can't have some on that I'm uh, going to be too distracted by. I can bang that on in the background and uh, ticks by throughout the day, and I can still uh, clock on. So that that's a good one. And just uh, we want so we've got Rory just for a bit longer before he uh, shoots off. What do you, would you say uh, United being underachievers? If you look at the profile of the... What? No, well, wait, wait, wait. United whoa, whoa. United in Europe, I'm going to say. Okay. If you look at Ferguson's reign and how much they were perceived to be at the top, and then how many European titles are there? Because I'm going to butcher this if I say it. Was it two, three? And you look at the money being spent, you look at the profile of the club. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I think that's a ridiculous claim in always well, Liverpool. Yeah. Well, if you look at... Um, the major criticism of Ferguson during his time is that he doesn't have more European trophies. Criticism of himself. So that that would be one. I'm just kind of uh, throwing it, just uh, spitballing. That's what we've named the podcast. <laughs> to, to be fair, I think with any football teams like that, you could probably pick a area where they didn't exactly achieve. Hole. Like, for example, Liverpool, you could flip it and say that they haven't achieved as many Premier League wins. Well, Liverpool but... were one of the ones I would say. Exactly. For the last you know, 30 years, they haven't consistently been successful it's always had its moments of success in there but it's perennially been sort of either also runs or nowhere near runs there's also that argument against Arsenal that the year they were the Invincibles they should have won the Champions League yeah the, they the started same, them the same premise on, kind of falls on Wenger doesn't it like some of the teams he had he probably could have had a better dig at the Champions League they started focusing on well, the Saturday game rather than the midweek and we had a game. striker that would rather travel halfway across one on a rubber dinghy than get on a plane <laughs> <laughs> which, which, did, which didn't help but yeah, I think that probably. I'm sure there's other ones we could get into, but I think we might wind up in that kind Chuck of phase. Chuck Michael Owen just, in there. Uh... He's an underachiever. Yeah. Underachiever when he burst on the scene against Argentina and then riddled with injuries. But I think you got plenty of football as you can. But I think the one that falls in massively, just in terms of like some of these, you've had they still had some quite good achievements still, despite maybe not living up to their talent. But I think football at the top of mind was Raval Morrison. When you talk about people who were supposed to be, he was at like Man United. Fergie was talking him up as being like one of the best times he'd ever seen. Yeah. And it's not just that he hasn't had like he hasn't fulfilled his potential. He hasn't come anywhere near. He's Euro- ended up. Is he like playing the team in Mexico or something now? Some European on loan from Lazio or something. So he he has obviously like almost a, a ceiling that is unending in terms of his potential, and he's gone like nowhere near it. He hasn't fulfilled the potential of say like a lower Premier League sort of talent that might be coming through. A lot of players that burst on the scene, maybe in Europe, player like Royston Drenthe that was signed for Real Madrid early yeah, on and for big that money. that interview with him earlier that came out? No. He said uh, the reason his uh, career at Everton came to an end is he was turned up late for a team meeting and uh, David Moyes said to him, go on, why don't you just fuck off? And he said, I don't know why I did it. He said, I should have just turned my back. And he said, he stood his ground and said, bro, why don't you fuck off? <laughs> Moyes got rid of him. The next the next opportunity he could. 
and he was saying, I reckon I could have had a good a good go there at Everton, but <laughs> threw it away. So, I mean, that might be a good enough uh, note for us to close out on. Rory, looking back, your first podcast appearance, uh, episode 17, I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, I remember you there. tapping me up when I was, uh, I was fairly um, drunk, actually, one evening after university, and Byron had been pestering me for probably about six, to, six to eight weeks to try and get me on the pod. And I finally caved. I'm sure everyone has similar it stories. It was Byron Pestering. Hmm. Doesn't sound like him that no, much. Exactly, yeah. Byron Pestering is someone who was drunk after a night out. Interesting. Uh, I eventually Lib- caved. charges in pending. I eventually caved and said yes. And oh. Should have asked if they got home right. Got home safe, shouldn't I, Alex? <laughs> The rumble continues. Our next guest, Troy, joining us for episode 100. Troy making his first appearance, episode 2. Oh, yeah. Appeared b- before Alex. I thought it was uh, Alex was episode 3. I thought it was uh, a bit longer than that until I was looking back, and it literally was a uh, second one we've drafted Troy in for a UFC roundup. Yeah, I was I was, uh, I was back around during the foundation days when we were basically talking <laughs> into a laptop. Um, Mike, Mike. What so. I was saying about uh, the, the swivel of getting the table through three rooms to get into uh, my living room we were yeah in yeah the stress of, course, of that changed yeah. <laughs> yeah to be fair i kind of like the original setup we so, had a telly and uh the, the football was usually yeah. on because be it was fair, usually a monday night I like game that, on. particularly in, in summer when we, we're absolutely roasting oh, yeah. <laughs> roasting ah, memories <laughs> no to be fair i think uh the the plan this summer is just to buy a uh, fold-up table so we don't have to go through it again ah. <laughs> bang it in there yeah. all right so Plenty's happened with the UFC. We've uh, we've neglected it a bit, I think, recently. Um, I was going to say uh, Troy's moved away. He's not not too far up the road, just no. not quite the still ten the second same, walk. <laughs> still in the same borough, but yeah, responsibilities on work and all that hit me like a ton of bricks at the minute. Still Jenny from the block. No, still, I'm yeah, I'm still around. Yeah, yeah, I um, I, I'd feel a bit bad telling you to leave your son behind. Get round here to round up some. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he know it's the end of episode? He'll be fine. Uh, I'll tell you what, I uh, maybe a bit too much info for the pod. I saw you on the bus the other day. That's a bit confession time here, actually. Had to ignore you because uh, one of them where I've, I've I've needed a shit before leaving the house, and I thought, um, right, I'm going to make it to work, get there. Bus has been delayed. You might remember the day that the bus was delayed by what must have been about 20 minutes, half an hour. So it was absolutely rammed. Yeah, yeah. And I thought. I can't be chatting this morning. I do not have this in me. I've got to sit there and get through this journey. Like talking and like open the chamber or something. Sure, no, I, it yeah. was one of them where I was debating, do I go back? And then I thought, do I have time to go back? But then I would have had time, but the bus took ages and ages and ages. And I'll, this is going to be a long... I have a long. similar situation. It's nothing to do with... I don't want to subject poo. Troy to that either. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's nothing to do with uh, needing, needing to go toilet, but um, there's a... Well, it's my brother's mother-in-law. I managed to bump into her basically all the time on my way home from work. And she always, like, gives you that kind of assertive wave as if to say, like, come sit by me. (laughs) And every time I I don't, and I sit a few rows back, which is my mistake, and she decides, let's just have a chat (laughs) between three rows. And it's, ah, oh, it's horrible. So, yeah. I hope I she's not listening. Some... We've, our, our clientele is yeah. white. <laughs> so, yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes you just need to stay on your own on the bus like, and just focus on the journey. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, we've we've been on now for 32 minutes. We've offended Oscar, Neymar, Troy, hopefully. Not uh, 
<laughs> someone else, someone else yeah. <laughs> that goes on. So uh, this might be the last episode. But as I said, into the UFC. We had uh, a big card in Brazil this weekend. Uh, the first ESPN card in Brazil. Um, I saw some describing it as the best free-to-air card ever. I'm not going to go that far, but it was uh, good. It was one of them where not the most recognisable names outside of Eldo, but you looked up and down and you said the betting odds and it was very evenly split the whole way through. And I suppose that's all you really asked for. The UFC, you're going to have great fighters in there and all yeah, you I want is they're matched up well. It, I, it probably shows that the UFC's got a, um, a great, great wealth of talent from Brazil at the minute as well. You know, because these Brazilian cards, they often do have a lot of, uh, well, predominantly well, Brazilian fighters. I'll tell you what, we saw Brazilian judging about one fight in where one bloke is seemingly got a 30-27 and it's the other way around and he's lost the fight. <laughs> oh, wow. And then we've got um, Thiago Alves, the guy who's like 38 now, fought for a title shot back in 2003, I think it was, in there against Max Griffin, who has nearly got him out there the first round. He's come back in the second and then he's dominated the third and had top control for four minutes and then he's lost a split decision as well. So I saw even that... Uh, Aliad Delaziz, who had the main event fighter who is Brazilian, saying, I will not be sending my guys to Brazil again. (laughs) But of all the Brazilians, we did have Jose Aldo then. My man Moicano, uh, at the start of the year, I tipped him to be champion by the end of uh, 2019. Goes about as well as my pick for uh, Jacksonville Jaguars to win the Super Bowl, which uh, (laughs) didn't go well. But So Aldo got the win. I don't know um, how much you. I know. T, I know TK was out, but I think he said he's uh, watched it back. Hopefully, but who do we think he should fight next, and what do we think has changed? Because two fights ago, we were talking as if he was done. Mm. He's been. He's been. He's got some wind, wins under his belt. Now this is the first back-to-back wins he secured since uh, his WEC days, which was against Mike Brown and that's crazy Donald Cerrone, like that, I believe. Yeah, and. The key thing for me is he seems to be reckless, like reckless to uh, safely reckless if there's such a thing. <laughs> but he, he's putting himself in a position where he's sacrificing his own position for the chance to get someone out of there. Mm. And he clearly liked that body shot he threw against uh, Jeremy Stevens because he's obliterated Moicano with the same one. That 20 seconds where he's got Moicano hurt and he's thrown like a Tekken combination <laughs> from head to body. It was a real rollback, wasn't it, to, to see him it's that insane. way. He's uh, insane. I think going on to who he could fight, I think he's, I mean, for him, if if we're going to keep the momentum going, it's got to be T-City for him. That's, but, T-City called him out after the yeah, fight. Yeah, so I heard earlier, I heard that he's uh, been calling him out and, and they want to get that fight sorted. But I think it, it depends on wh- which direction Aldo wants to go in because at the minute I see him almost like on a, he's on a victory lap. Well, to, to be fair though, we also, Ortega's going to beat in his last fight. Yeah. So we're going to, um, one thing Aldo has said is, on the one hand, he said he's upset because he's never going to get a title shot again. Mm. And on the other hand, he said that um, he'll never fight five rounds again. He mm. said he doesn't this want to. The thing. He said he doesn't want to put his body through that. He'd rather live. He wants um, three more fights. He said he wants them all to be in Brazil. Okay. And he basically just wants to make the best fights he possibly yeah, can. See, yeah, he's on a. He, he is virtually on a victory tour. I'd love to see him fight Connor again. Really, well, I, at one fifty-five. I, tw- I tweeted this out on uh, Saturday night, saying that Aldo looks as good as he's looked since uh, before the since Connor before fight. Because yeah. he's had good wins against Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson, but they didn't really offer much back to him. And he'd beaten those guys before, so he knew he could do it. And I kind of, I'm happy seeing him happy and fighting happy. I don't know if I want to see an yeah, older Aldo go mean. through, because a Connor tour is what? 
three months of yeah. just constant abuse. If he, if he really wanted to go to the lightweight division as well, I think he would have done that because it seems like it's wide open for someone to go in and fucking tear shit up at the moment. The, the other fight I said is I think they may offer him to Nate Diaz because he's Hell a recognisable he's a recognisable name. Yeah. He'll fight in it Brazil. Looked weird. It looks strange. But they want that Diaz... They mm. want Diaz in there. Anyone they can get yeah. Diaz in there with is going to work. And, and that would be a big Brazilian card, like you said, if, if they well, wanted to go that UFC way. 2, 3, 8 or 9. So I think it's like 2 or 3 pay-per-views. Where I think it's like May is mm. the next one. Um, and that's in Brazil. And so he said he'll happily take the kind of co-headline slot there. So seemingly anyone in the division then, you can get to fight. Cerrone makes a lot of sense, but it, we're yeah. going to get onto that. It looks like he's uh, going he's elsewhere. He's for other things. I mean... Partly to answer your question about what's changed, obviously it does look, like you said, the shackles are off a bit and a bit more carefree, but also, as you kind of almost touched on, he hasn't been in a five-round fight and he hasn't been taken on Max Holloway. Yeah. Just, um, Moicano, I don't want to say he's an unknown quantity, but at that level, I think Aldo maybe showed him, you're not quite ready for this at this point, whereas Holloway's been there, done it, you know what you're getting with him and he's just a different level of fighter, I think. Yeah, I mean, does it highlight... those, is it, was he ever sort of like over the hill, or was it just that he got beat that, yeah, by a better man there? That Holloway's and... that good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks to me like you have Holloway, then Aldo, then Ortega, and then everyone else. If you so put if you put your Cub Swansons in there, you yeah, probably yeah. got Frankie Edgar. You could probably put him on that level with Ortega, despite being smoked by him. When you look at what he's done to the rest of the division. But Holloway is so far above mm-hmm. everyone else that it's it it's really all, is. It's it's going to get to the point where it's going to be like Demetrius Johnson. We're like, come on, we're bored now. Have you just fighting the same? Well, you say like, that. Guys? I don't know if that's the case because um, well, that, this is why we need Moicano to win. So you have a new, fresh face. Uh, yeah, I get what you mean. It depends on yeah on what's going on in the in the rest of the division, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Dillashaw was saying that he was going to beat. Cejudo then step up to featherweight yeah, and beat yeah, Max. Then... Think of the size difference <laughs> there. And if you look at happen. what Cejudo has just done to him, yeah. Holloway is going to paint his face. <laughs> Complain about that stoppage, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, disgraceful. That was my man Henry, and they're trying to discredit him. If we move on then, so I don't know how much you've seen. I was showing TK this yesterday, but there's a little uh, feud that's brewed between uh, Aro Hawani and uh, Donald Cerrone. So they, he's got this show with uh, Chael on ESPN and they basically yeah. get a topic, kind of the, all the American shows, they have a little debate back and forth. Um, and he said, look, I was really hyped for the Connor fight with Cerrone. And then he said, his interview after beating Alex Hernandez, friend of the pod, really put him off. He said, I don't want to see a cowboy Cerrone that's going to be kissing McGregor's butt. He's giving him too much respect and he's coming off as weak. Okay. He even imitated his voice and he was going, please, Mr. McGregor, give me the fight. Saying he had a hat out begging and all this. and Because Cowboy said, I'm living in McGregor's world. You this was Ch- uh, Chael Sonnen? No, this was Ariel said this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. When you're yeah. saying all of this, I'm thinking, no. well, this is Chael, Chael is doing this and he's going like that and he's saying, Ariel, you need to make your mind up because half the time he's saying it's about competition and now you're saying it's about entertainment. So which one is it? But I don't know about you two. As much as we can say we're above that, a McGregor fight, it's not just a fight, it's the months leading up to it, it's the press yeah, conferences. It's a yearly it's, spectacle. You and know, that's so what it's become. You now. don't want to see that wasted on a guy who is going to go, I've got the greatest respect for him, we're going to go in there, we're going to have a good fight, yeehaw, yeah. and all. 
Well, and also we don't really want to. See, I, personally, no disrespect to Donald Cerrone, but I also don't want to really want to see it wasted on him. No, so it, if the builder better be good if you're going to, because yeah. the fight itself isn't going to sell itself. For well, me. no, it I will. It, I think it will. I said to well, Luke any last McGregor week fight this, will, but I just I think it's not the top of the list I would want to see. No, of course. It's so not. if so, I don't for want the, to see him then sucking his dick at a press yeah, conference. I mean, for the for the, the so-called purist, if you will, you if, know, if, it's not a great fight. If if like even um, so, my brother, I don't think would be too upset with me saying that he's somewhat between a guy who tunes in from a McGregor fight mm-hmm. and someone who knows the whole roster up stuff. and down. Yeah, yeah. So he, he'll tune in and he'll watch the cards through on a Sunday morning and record it. And even he's like, I don't I don't see what Cerrone does that is gonna I mean, we say he got smoked by Khabib, but he wasn't he wasn't finished in the first round and it, that if someone's gonna maneuver you on the ground like that, it's gonna and Cerrone's a guy who is sneakier off his back than he yeah. is on the top. So oh, yeah. so then you're looking at McGregor taking him down, which would be very strange to do. So you you need a little you need a little something there, and it may be as soon as that contract signed, he's gonna go whoosh in in the zone now because could, yeah, what I, I would mean, say if he's you, got it in his locker anyway. This Cowboy is this, has. if you flick on so Chael then calls up Cowboy on his little Facebook things he does. You seen his he does like yeah. a little stare into the camera and he right. talks for like ten minutes, and he's in his car and he phones up Cowboy and he's kind of interviewing him. And then Cowboy flips. And you know he does his uh, cave diving and all this. He's basically mm. just come out of this. He's all hyped up. And then he's saying to him, who the fuck does he think he is sat behind his desk next time I see him, I'm going to kick his ass. Who's talking about me being weak and all this. And he's proper going on in him. And yeah. For a start, my big thing with that is you can't only like a journalist when he's saying good things about you. Yeah. Like there, it, there is another side to it. Yeah. The other thing, I think the word weak is what is like I was watching it like, I agree, I agree, I agree. And then he was like, he's coming across to me as weak. And I was like, whoa, that's not going to go down well, mm. you saying that. It's not necessarily inaccurate, though. You can just see that I is going to piss her off. But it does, because we want to see someone going there. Kind of like Nate Diaz did, didn't he? So, said, yeah, fuck like, it, fuck I'm going to... I don't need... I'm not going to take it off you. I'm going to yeah. give it your back. That's And kind of... Well, Aldo looked weak before he ended up going in there. And he was seen as pound for pound at one at that point. Well, the, the thing was, when the Diaz got that fight, Beforehand, it was meant it was down between Diaz and Cerrone. Cerrone was seemingly the front runner. Diaz had the fight against Michael Johnson, where he did the "You're taking everything I work yeah, for," yeah, so yeah. on, so on. Cerrone had just posted this video on a treadmill saying, "I'm coming," and that was it. So, Chael suggested, and if someone knows the business, it's going to be him. He says, "There's something about being the unique voice in the room, whether you're the complete opposite of what people want to hear." And he said, if you're McGregor right now, you've come off a beating against Mayweather and you've come off a beating against Khabib. The last thing you want to hear is someone saying, I'm going to drag you into the later rounds. I'm going to put you in a place you don't want to be. He said, you might want to hear someone saying, I've got all the respect in the world for you. We're going to throw down. And you think, I don't have to deal with this. And then he looks at the Cerrone fight and thinks, you know what? I don't have to put myself, I don't have to put myself through that. He's going to stand there with me. And he's shown before in the big occasions he can't handle it. So he's basically suggesting Cerrone's thinking, I'll take it for a couple, if, for a month if I have to suck up to him with my hat out and say, come on, just spare me a little here. Yeah. Then once I've got that contract signed, then I can flip it over. My other thing, yeah, my other thing I'll, I'll slide it over is um, people keep saying 
they want him to go back to how he was at the press conference. That was a completely different time. That was when McGregor was on the way up. And there was about eight people in a press conference all attacking him. Yeah. And with the least intelligence possible, you had a Brazilian that wasn't really speaking much English having to say, I'm going to beat you. You had Cerrone calling him Lucky Charm. It's like, come on, be a bit more creative. Here. You've got all this time. So it wasn't taking much there. So it's not like he's gone in on him. No. We just want to see a bit more ruthlessness than, look, I'm a dad now. I'm, I'm in here just to, I want to get my kid lift up. It's, we want to see a bit more fire there to get us excited. He needs to shave that hair off and go back to what he was. Uh, yeah. I've, you can use that press conference there, as much as we know that there wasn't an awful lot there. For example, when he says to him, like, you're mouthing off around here, but when we were backstage, yeah, yeah. you didn't say nothing, you were quiet. You could jump on him on that, and a few people have tried to accuse him of that as well. And that you can build something from there. McGregor won't like that because you can't, you're making out like he's just in it for the camera and he's yeah, kind of scared he's, to back it up. Pride, he's proud, yeah. Exactly. So I think I said before, this is a little while ago when this was when we basically said what's McGregor going to do next and Cerrone kind of got mentioned and we were all like that's not doing a lot for us I think I said at the time if they're looking for someone for him whereby he's not going to be able to get a gimme fight but a fight where you can get a win and it's a recognisable name but it's not on the level you have him fighting like Khabib etc then he ticks all the boxes my thinking being though he was going to be gunning for him and going for him in these press conferences if it's not I think that's going to be it's going to be trickier. I think Cerrone, you can you can make enough of a case for him that people will be able to spin it and say that he can win it. But his biggest weakness at this point is probably his punch resistance, isn't it? and if you've got McGregor opposite you, that's not a great thing to have. I think another issue with with it all is is that um, like you, you like you said, you have your brother like enjoys a bit of it and watches it in and out. But you have a, another category of people that don't watch it at all, but they watch Conor McGregor and they the everything about him. Um, so when when these sort of fights get made, they don't care who the the opponent yeah. is, but the, but Donald Cerrone will get billed as the baddest man on the planet, leading up to it. So that these people are they they then have the justification that Connor's fighting a, a fucking bad it's, bad guy here, you know? It's it's no matter how many times you get Wonder Boy and Woodley, you've still got Wonder Boy spinning back kick. Mm. You could you've still got enough of a highlight reel from Cerrone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, exactly that. The yeah. thing with him is. The biggest critique would be in the big fights, he has not just under-delivered, he has horribly under-delivered. <laughs> First round, tagged to the body. You, yeah. That kick is absolutely going to come through. So that would be that would be the questions. 30 seconds into the fight with Hernandez, and he's landing uppercut straight down the pipe, which, so it's certainly winnable, and it's certainly, you can say... Well, my thing is, Darren Till took him apart. Yeah, and, they got the excuse of that being the weight class above yeah, is what they're, know, is what they're lean on. But no, I, I get what you're yeah. saying. For me, if I was choosing to fight, um, Ferguson would be the first one that you can sell. But he does not want any part of that conditioning. <laughs> no. nah. Secondly, Dustin Poirier is there in a box. You look down his last four fights mm-hmm. and you've got the, the war with Anthony Pettis where he cut his face open. It was spitting blood. You then got the two with Eddie Alvarez, which yeah, both were hurting, definitely and then you got the Gaethje fight. So that's the easiest fight you can sell, and you've got the previous of that he beat him at featherweight. And on top of that, Poirier isn't scared to run his mouth now no. because he knows he's been in, once you've been in the trenches with Gaethje. I think the fear goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if if we move on, just to make sure uh, we we get through uh, everything, then so we've got. Whitaker against Gastelum this weekend. 
Um, this actually will suit you, uh, Troy. I don't know if you've uh, seen this. It's uh, it's a Sunday afternoon card. Oh, is it? Yeah, so it starts, no, I, I think, at 11 o'clock. On... Is it in Australia, is it? Yeah. Ah, okay. And yeah. I think the main event I is do. at like 3 o'clock on Lovely. Sunday afternoon or something like that. Um, Just sitting down with the lamb. <laughs> with the lamb. Yeah. Is anyone picking Calvin Gastelum to win? Unfortunately not. I, lo- I love the guy like for his heart and everything like that, but I think, like you said earlier about um, Max Holloway, I think Whitaker's similar at the minute. I think he's top of his game. You look at his last three, he's uh, sliced through Jacare, had uh, two wars with Yo Romero, and he's gone to the brink there and he's still not been finished. Gastelum. And overweight you are as well, you know? Not forget that. I think he's going to play it safe for two rounds because Gastelum Cleves does hit hard. That's Mm -hmm. something you're not going to take away. Um,. The wrestling isn't going to work. If Gastelum's going into wrestle and Jacare couldn't get him down and Yo Romero couldn't nah, get him down, then yeah, good luck. I think we're in for a good scrap. I think he's going to point fight for two rounds. Gastelum, we've seen after about two rounds, he's going to be done. Yes, yeah. And then he's going to put a pace on him he's never felt before. I don't know if you've uh, watched the Ultimate Fighter, those two are on there. And obviously this isn't fighting at all. Mm. But they do coaches' challenges and they find something different each year. So they've had it before where they've done... Uh, kind of throwing dodgeballs at each other on a platform and then you were hit so many times and your team basically gets like 10 grand each. This time, they I don't know what the budget was, but they basically had a running track and they had to do um, eight laps of uh, of uh, 400 meter track mm. and whoever's first round won the money for their team. About two goes in, Gastelum is ruined. <laughs> he gets lapped three times by Whitaker, who is just like... Well, I mean, the signs were there from early on in his career that he didn't have the greatest of no, cardio, and, right? And when he missed weight so many times. Yeah, and so you're seeing that, and Whitaker is, at the end, I mean, he's breathing, but it's like, the, 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 there's there's levels, yeah. and you're seeing that there. It's a little bit, like, to make a comparison, like Troy did with Max, is they're not just so good themselves, they're just so hard to pick against for those reasons. You know they're going to do the five rounds, you know they've got that toughness, Yeah. even if their skills let them down, you know they've got that in the in the locker. So it's hard to make a case. Someone like Gaslam, you've got to have a case whereby someone's chinny, for example, and it's going to get out of there. Do don't be upset about Whitaker. Do either of you think that he, that Gaslam deserves this title shot? I think he's just beat Jacare. He he lost to Weidman. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he doesn't deserve maybe it. Maybe Bisping as well. Who yeah, was... he's, he's been putting the work in the last four or five years. Yeah. For certain. He he certainly earned it in the in the division when you and I mean in a, in an and in a division where yeah. not you don't have to really earn a title shot. <laughs> what, <laughs> We've seen this a few times. What I'd say in the UFC at the moment, and I, I don't know if you'd agree. I mean, I would I would always usually think I'd go into a kind of fight, kind of what you want to see a change of champion to mix it up, and it's like if you equate it to wrestling. When you have it where every week they're switching, say the intercontinental belt, it doesn't mean much when you have it. When you have Lesnar holding the belt for two years, yeah. or the Undertaker having a streak like that and it gets broken, it means so much more. And you've got you've got Woodley, you've got Holloway and Whitaker, who are three guys where you're looking like I don't know how anyone is going to beat these. But then we said the same about DJ. Yeah. That's he got the, beat. That's the thing. So it means so much more when someone then does that's lose. What it means. There could be somebody in the division that's yeah. already lost to these guys and that could come back in a year and a half and just be a a shade or a level better. It's hard to see it now, but we said the same about Joanna. Yeah. We were just like, well, who is going to do that? The only way she's going to lose is if she steps up. And That's then true. Rose obviously yeah. came out of nowhere. I think I think Ortega's got the best chance we said it was of as well. doing that, though. <laughs> yeah. 
of, of actually, you know, getting to a next level to maybe dislodge Holloway yeah. at, at, at a later event, you know? Yeah. If we, um, let's just, if we just get a prediction, so I'm, I'm going to go uh, fourth round stoppage for Whitaker. Um, I never really thought about, it. yeah, I do think he will stop him. I can't see it going the distance. Yeah, stoppage third round. Yeah, I think third. I think Gasolum, as we've kind of touched on, will yeah. run out of gas pretty quickly. I think Wick is going to be looking to kind of make a show of it because the decision wins and stuff, they look good in terms of they've shown the full range of what you can do in your toughness, but I think he's going to want to do a job on him. I think he'll get him out of there. All right, then. So also in the co-main, then, we have um, Israel Adesanya going up and what they're kind of saying is uh, kind of master versus apprentice fight against Anderson Silva. Is anyone picking Anderson Silva here? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Because his last fight was him sneaking past Derek Brunson. And that was... He then popped for PDs after that. So that was him juiced. <laughs> unless unless he decides to take him down and he, he decides to fight him in it on the ground for the whole fight, I can't really see a, a victory for Silva, to be honest. No. I mean, we haven't seen Adesanya properly tested on the ground. Even if his uh, mind works quick enough... His body isn't going to work quick enough. And yeah, and certainly, yeah. Adesanya's is is like what, that that like gift. He's that of the bloke guy. With everyone running around in yeah. his head. Mm-hmm. The thing, I, the way I look at it for uh, Adesanya, I don't think this necessarily harms his career, win or lose, and I don't think it necessarily you know boosts I, it either. I well, just think I was going to say I don't think it helps him unless he makes a real show of it. Because yeah, going, going because then it's always nice to have. Anderson Silva victory on your resume it's always nice he's a legend in the sport but it's just I don't know it's weird to still see him fight him you've got to think his um, the win over Derek Brunson which has since been overturned that even then he lost and he got a judge's gift so the last fight he won was against Nick Diaz yeah they've all been and they both failed tests for that (laughs) all all we've seen is just tricky weird um, judges decisions with his last Ten fights or so. Yeah, yeah. Well, been so you want to keep a guy around. Uh, Dane has promised him a title shot if he wins. I think he's kind of uh, banking on there, going, you know, what this an easy way to get him into the fight and see. He's never been the same since he broke so, his leg. I'm so. gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, he stops him in the first. Do you think he can stop him that early? I think he's gonna be too quick and he's not gonna be able to react. And oh, I can see it being a, a decision. Can just see it being well. I mean, we haven't seen him a t- bit drawn out, and Anderson sort of running away for most of the fight. And be horrible. Be- yeah, like you know, because we've got two great strikers going against each other, and if it you- might just turn stale. If you also think, when's the last time he's been caught clean? Because he wasn't caught clean by Brunson. Cormier wrestled him for three rounds. Did Bisping catch him? <laughs> Bisp and he dropped him every time he did. <laughs> yeah, and Bisping isn't notoriously like a heavy-handed guy. No, that's right. So and Alessandro is gonna be far more accurate. And he'd already concussed Bisping at this point, so Bisping was able to out-wrestle him while concussed. They're, they're rearing him right, though, Adesanya. Oh, like, definitely. It seems like, you know, each fight that we get along, if the uh, the competition steps up a, a touch, this is like a little bonus fight. And then it'll carry on, then. You know, it'll go up again. Or, but yeah, this little... It's like a novelty in a way. It's the classic sort of feeding the older guy. That you can, Like you said, stick yeah. the name on the resume and you get it. To a slightly wider audience, yeah. you know who Anderson Silva is. Oh, this Definitely. guy beat yeah, him, he'd and be, then he beat Anderson Silva. Yeah. If I said that to one of my friends in in a few weeks' time, yeah, be, oh, he, this guy must he'd be. He'd say really, good, yeah. like because in his head, Anderson Silva is still 
fucking Anderson Silva, yeah. you know? People got excited about the prospect of him against Connor, for God's sake. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to close this out then, so um, Marais smoked Asin Sau at the weekend, the only loss of his career, he's now overturned it. Um, he then said, TJ, I don't know if you deserve to fight with me. After your last performance, my friend, I'm sorry, mm. I may have to take somebody else and let you go down and hunt for the little boys. <laughs> he is the... Uh, he is the what do they call it? Mandatory uh, number he, one they, contender, They said it was basically it? a number one contender. Marais seems to have that triple G thing where he's got enough broken English to get by and it's mm. almost charming because he just looks like a nice, friendly little bold <laughs> yeah. bloke. He, he does seem the real deal, though. He's got me. everything. But then uh, if you've seen the reaction after he won, I think people forgetting TJ Dillashaw is TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that, that, that I mean... As much as it'd be nice to see that fight, I think his Cejudo Dillashaw is pretty much probably going to happen. Well, they yeah. they just cut um, Dustin Ortiz. He just lost a split decision to Joseph Benavidez. And you think if you're keeping the division, you don't cut your number three contender? No, no. But I mean, there's there is other fights out there for him. Um, yeah. Top of my head, Jimmy Rivera would be a, a good. He's fight. fighting uh, Aljamain Sterling next. Uh, ah, well, so. let's get John Lineker back into yeah. fitness, and let's yeah. chuck I want him, him in against Petr Yan. Is the is is the fight okay. I want. But yeah, any any John Lineker fight is good. But no, Morais is definitely he's put himself in the mix now. For all of these guys, when they've got a headline slot on ESPN, they've got a massive outreach to put themselves in contention. One big win there is all you need, especially in some of these divisions. If you can make a statement when it's close at the top. Mm. What do you think for a Sun Kiao now? Um, well, he's still um, he's got a trilogy with Dillashaw to tick off, so he can hang around and. Yeah. Get that, and there's enough. Bantamweight is stacked. So. I think. I think maybe he he keeps an eye on the uh, the Cody Garbrandt fight. Yeah, that would be that would be good. I want Garbrandt against uh, Lineker so badly. Jeez. That would be great because he's going to trade with him, and then my oh, man yeah. is going to smoke him. Ha! Yeah, he fucking would, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. I'm like, because I'm he, thinking like, because Cody would get angry away. and stuff. Yeah. Cody would be like, ah, oh, get ya, <laughs> bang. You think he had his jaw broken by Dillashaw and then got pounded for another two rounds and didn't even flinch? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that uh, that wraps us up. Then we've gone uh, through the UFC. We'll be back. Um, we'll have Troy back on whenever he uh, wants to get back on for another UFC card. We've got Connor ready to uh, step into the helm and continue our uh, rumble. And uh, we'll get back on some football to get AJ involved. Moving on then, we have the Charmer back in the house. Made his, made his debut, episode 15. 85 episodes later, here we are. Really are. Didn't realise it was that many. Yep. Or that long ago that I started. Exactly. Well, with Troy was episode 2, I thought he was about 20 in, so <laughs> that answered that. Time flies when you're having fun, eh, Luke? Exactly. Every Monday. We'll have to work out what we're doing next Monday, actually. So. <laughs> Maybe uh, you might have to reschedule your week, Alex. We'll, uh, we'll get on to that after. Anyway, we've uh, we've brought Connor back to uh, talk about Solskjaer. Would have been a bit nicer if they uh, had lost either that Leicester game or the... Uh, Watford? Or Bur- Burnley. 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 But Burnley. Uh, we'll get by. We've, we've covered Arsenal's United, so we don't have to get back into that. <laughs> Best way to go through this... Do we not? <laughs> Best way to go through this is uh, an article was put up on the uh, BBC Sport website last night. Paul Ince, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen this. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's written a whole column on uh, why he feels he could have done just as good a job as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I feel like if we go through what he said, we can react to. Did uh, you first of all have you seen him when he mentioned about this on BT Sport with Savage? No, 
Okay. I'll let, I'll let you see what he says there, and then I'll tell All you right, what okay. he said about with Savage as well. All right. So, um, start off, he said, uh, we all knew the problems United had under Mourinho, and as a manager, I know it's relatively simple to solve them in the short term. You think there's anything out of pocket there, or is that... I mean, we did all know what uh, the issue was. Uh, oh, but... oh, yeah, the issue was <laughs> that they were locked in chains, basically. They couldn't do anything. But I I don't think it's as easy as what people were making out. No way. I think it's ha- you've seen it happen a lot of times. I know it's not with, for instance, when Shearer went to Newcastle. I know, I know it wasn't a case where they were safe or anything. They needed they were in a relegation scrap. But... Their team wasn't worth a billion either. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But going back to a team where you're sort of a bit like a god status... Well, most there were a lot of laughs at the fact the last time he'd been in the league, he had Cardiff relegated. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't even doing well in the, in the championship when he went down with him. He, I think they were mid-table there. So it's not a case where he's had any experience doing it or anything like that. Where Well, he, he carries on from there. And he says, it was easy for whoever came in after that to right the ship and lift the players in the dressing room and put the whole club back on track. He said, I've got absolutely nothing against Ole. But when I look at teams who have done something similar and given permanent jobs to interim managers who have turned things around in a short space of time, not many of them have lasted very long. Di Matteo at Chelsea is a good example, as is Craig Shakespeare at Leicester. Shakespeare did brilliantly when he first replaced Ranieri in February 2017, but he was soon gone. Di Matteo was appointed caretaker manager in 2012, won the Champions League in the FA Cup in May, signed a permanent contract in June and then was sacked in November. The reality is we don't know whether Solskjaer is the right man for the job and the next four months aren't going to tell us either. I agree with a lot of it. I just think another one was... You're saying if he wins the Champions League, then that's not enough. Oh, I mean, to it, tell you that... Like, I mean, it depends where he goes there. I mean, you got PSG who are missing their best player. We're going to get into so, that with Goff next. Yeah, so, so that obviously is a, is a big fact to take out. I mean, but yeah, I, I get the thing of... You, temporary managers do well usually another one would be um, Sherwood you almost well Spurs before we don't have any bad talk about Sherwood on here what's is you almost want a bad patch if you could get to the end of the season and mm. say it's not going to affect your league position too much say well obviously you want the top four but say you could rightfully kind of mould it you want to get what you achieve and you also want a bad patch in the middle because you need to see how he's going to react to that if you go through the whole way through and you just kind of float along, mm. winning the games you should win, drawing the games that maybe you should, I think Burnley be close. was a big test though. The fact, not not in the sense of the game, but I think the fact they were two 0 down with five, five, six, seven minutes to go, and they come back to it. That shows one of the things a lot. you look at earlier, but Mourinho did that against Newcastle, and that didn't yeah. that didn't like uh, we no, were kind of obviously yeah, saved him for another week. Yeah, exactly. But I think the fact that it's carried on after there's been we won the next game, and obviously it'll go on to next week now. Whoever you know. Do you think there's a point where he's going to look for reassurance? Because if he keeps winning and he's and he's thinking, right, as much as I'm enjoying this, I might want a bit of something here before I'm investing everything in the club that I've got and I'm not getting anything back in return. I don't think so. I think he knows that he's on a con- He's still in contract as Mulder, so I don't see why he would want that. He's I not. Mean, go- I, he's not going back there either way I, now. No, but I, I don't. I don't think that he's sh- not stupid or naive enough to think that he's going to get the job. I think he knows that he's in there for that period. If he does as best he can, I don't think he's expecting any reassurances from anyone. Do you think if it if it gets like as much as we're saying, say with the players they needed a boost? Yeah. Obviously, he's not on the pitch. Do you not think if it, if it if it gets tough, say 
you're a goal down going into the second leg in the Champions League. You're really well in the first leg. Do you not think giving him a little boost then goes a long way with the club? Or do you think it's kind of, all right, keep quiet. We'll see how he does. And I think keep quiet. I think because he hasn't had a test as well, that that will be a test to go. But, but, but nobody's expecting, or nobody but, was, or maybe is expecting United to go through the Champions League. By this so. by this stretch, then any manager you get in could have a good start to the games, and you're still going to be pumping a load of money on them before you've even seen them have a good run of games. Mm. Because it's not like now we were saying before, oh, you've beaten Newcastle, you've beaten Watford, whatever. He's had Arsenal. And Spurs in there now, mm. so he's clearly doing something, and I think you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to, because you've got to think as much as you aren't locking him down, mm. other teams can quite easily come and have a word with him. But I don't, I don't it's think, I, I, no, I don't think he would. But I think he's too emotionally invested. If, if United United's wanted him, they'd, they'd keep yeah, him, wouldn't yeah. they? But I think. The, the thing about you said potentially giving him reassurances is if you do go on and run in the Champions League, the players definitely look like they're playing for him. He looks like, I think probably his biggest advantage is he seems to get along with them and they respect him. If if that's the case, they're going to be playing to think, well, I want him to stay. Because that's not a bad motivation to have. If you think an extra, if you need extra motivation is to think, I want to keep him permanently, a good run in the Champions League and getting top four is a perfect way to do it. Well, we spoke earlier about Drente telling Moyes to fuck off. So this is the complete opposite then. <laughs> yeah. If you can get... Look, uh, Pogba's the big one, isn't it? We said, start of last season, Jose is not stupid enough to piss off Pogba. <laughs> Obviously, he did it. And he seems to have the right balance with Pogba in yeah. that he knows who the boss is. The squad as a whole, he seems to have... I, I agree partly with what Ince said in terms of, in the short term, go in, be quite relaxed create a more happy atmosphere automatically people are going to be happier with you than they were with the last guy so you've got a big advantage there so I think in that regard he's right in the short term but it's been enough games now that you, you're you seeing that he's and he has made tactical manoeuvres like putting Pogba um, sorry Lukaku out wide against Arsenal for example uh, he's played tended to put Martial and Rashford in there where Jose would pretty much never do that so you have seen tactical manipulations in the game as well as well as just Okay, I want everyone to go out and express themselves and, and be happy and play better. Isn't half the issue, sorry, that he's if he hadn't said his own name, we'd be taking this a lot more seriously. If he hadn't said I could have done just as good a job and instead he'd gone, Come on, hold your horses a bit, he's done a good job. I'm not sure you should immediately give him I think that was the bit I mainly disagree with when yeah. Paul Lynch said he could do well, I was gonna say on on this BT Sport thing, he, he said me Steve Bruce, Bruce and Mark Hughes. Hughes he said we, we all could have done this. Players who have played before and <laughs> No, Mark Hughes is somebody who comes across as very blunt and somebody yeah. who couldn't would not react with players the way that other people that Solskjaer is. So Mark Hughes would just repeatedly be told been told he's a good manager, but he's never really shown us Bruce, any justification as to why. Yeah. Bruce, you you could maybe because Bruce has managed at a good level and he's he's done it fairly consistently. But I don't I don't think any of them could have done it as well as what. He <laughs> well, I'll say I'll say equivalent of that is, and I'm saying that. Those two are certainly more accomplished than the name I'm going to say, but I'm going with attitude. You put Tony Adams in at Arsenal. He's not having the same effect of, say, I was going to use Henri, but that's yeah. probably not the, the best example. <laughs> Henri gets off, Henri would have got on with all the players yeah, and he yeah. would have chirped them up. Tony Adams, you're not put, you're not putting Roy Keane in there at United as an ex-player mm. and he's bumping them all up and yeah, saying, yeah. "All right, I'm creating a great atmosphere for all the players." So it's very 
specific. To, there's only a couple of players it's that could have done the do. same thing. It's not mm. as simple as what people and have with, made with out. With the um, like attacking thing as well, I remember when Mourinho first came in and they weren't playing that well at the start, attack, like attacking and scoring a lot of goals. And he said, well, they've been struggling with Van Gaal. They need to break out of this. And he said, that's not an easy... That'll take time for them to do it. But it hasn't took time for them to do that. So it's not it's, it's not as easy as what people think. You've got like, you've got players in there that, if you do give them that freedom, are going to be able to score, like Pogba, Martial, Rashford. They're players that you don't even necessarily have to give them a lot of freedom, just a little bit more than what Jose was. And they're going to... And that's what Solskjaer has kind of done, which is... I think there is a... In the, like I said, in the short term, I think it was easy to sort of change in the, sm- the smaller games, but I think we've had enough of sort of a, a sample size to see that he does know his way around and he does know how to manage games against Arsenal and Spurs. It could have been banana skins that were absolutely fine. As obvious as it seems now, and as obvious as it seemed at the time, we give boards a lot of stick. You've got to give that United board a, a lot of praise for making the move when they did and giving him that run of games to get into to open up the job. Because you open up with that fixture against Spurs... You can have as chirpy of an atmosphere as you want. That's not going to go the exact same way. So they've obviously acted. It wasn't just a spare at a moment. Right, we've had enough of him now. It was a not maybe not carefully planned, but they've analysed it and the great good. They've taken a calculated risk, and that's worked out perfectly, giving him that bumpy that, to get through. They come straight off the back of the Liverpool game, though, where they got dealt with. So that would be what, what it was. They well, no United fans going to want to see what they turned out against Liverpool. So. Yeah. That could be the straw that comes back in itself, regardless of what fixtures were coming up after. Like it's the fact that they did it when there was a kind run of fixtures, I think you give credit to the board, but is that not just common sense? Even then, then you can say they've been pummeled by Liverpool, and so you've got to bump them up quickly. So his kind of character is obviously polarizing enough. A combination of right, we got rid of Jose, and on the other side, his infectious character. You can't get any old person in to have that same effect. In the same circumstances, he was the perfect. He was the perfect one for the time, wasn't he? Because he seems to every, every sort of press conference stuff I see of him as well. He's always kind of talking about the traditions of the club and the history of the club, which is, I think, it obviously works well with the fans, but I think it seems to have rubbed off well on the players as well. Um, so I, I've um, said obviously that like, but you know, you know, underdog card of United winning the Champions League. I think <laughs> I'm that surprised it, you keep bringing it up. I, uh, I thought, thought you would want to put it under the I, table. Um, You've not heard of this. Have you not heard? What, have you not? Have you not heard? Have you not heard what I've been promised? If they do win the Champions League, it's a fairly safe bet. I've said I will happily crown him if United win the Champions League, as he claimed is going to happen at the start of the year. He thinks Solskjaer's you, confidence is going right the way through. Would you wear a United shirt if they did a picture of you in a United shirt? No. Um, Go would big. you? Would Go you, big. Go would, big. Go would on. you wear a Liverpool? Oh. Oh, actually. Uh, uh, <laughs> what about someone wearing an Arsenal shirt if you win the Europa League? I don't think that's a fair bet when you look at United winning the Champions League compared to us in the Europa. I'm being just being kind. You'll, you'll get beat by Ruben Kassan or something like that. I'm not saying we're not, but you're just <laughs> as likely to be beaten by PSG. Um, anyway, like my point was going to be was I think that even if Solskjaer did win the Champions League with United, no. Definitely don't get the job. Reason you being, to, you have to. You no, 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 no. Reason being, that reason just... being, reason being, club like United, I think after this season's, no matter what happens this season, I think they've got to go into next season. You give them a chance to 
present a plan for what he th- where he thinks the club needs to go. But I think in that situation, he falls short compared with a lot of potential candidates. As well, oh, with, Champions League with, like I did last with, year. That I, seems like I, a good plan. I, with, with him as well at the moment, I think he is pure, purely just riding off momentum of a bit of positive energy in that squad and it can stop at any single moment. I think that when it comes down to the club's ambition as a whole to move away from Alice Ver- Alex Ferguson, if you stick with him, <laughs> if you stick with him and him reminiscing of the old days and stuff like that, they're just not going to go anywhere. It's going to be another mistake if they keep him on. I think as well, when you look at what's happening with City with the likes of Guardiola, they need a, a club like United. They need a big name to come in and do the job. If he's won the Champions League, then he's already done more than Guardiola no. at City. No, he's done. He's done more than the guy who everyone's going to say is Poch. You've just won the Champions League, and you're going to give the job to a manager who. As, as I've said, as Di, as Dimatteo was mentioned earlier, he won the Champions League with Chelsea, and it's the exact same thing. And he'd have kept the job longer at any club other than Chelsea. We shouldn't. He won the FA Cup as well. For yeah. <laughs> he literally won two championships. Nah. Well, if if we could just swing it swing it back to Connor quick, just to ask this before we kind of go into the future. So the big bookies favourite before Solskjaer was appointed, and we had about eight bookies favourites in the space of an hour. But the big title one was Deschamps. Do you? Where do you think? Where, where do you think United are if they get Deschamps in, a far more qualified manager, instead of Solskjaer at that point? Because few would have argued if you'd offered Solskjaer and Deschamps and you'd went with Deschamps. Oh, well, at the time, yeah, because you didn't yeah, so, know what was coming. No, but... that's what I'm saying. So, do are you we, think... Are, are, we, do, but are do we going think, now? Yeah, so I'm saying... No, I'm saying if, if Deschamps had oh, got the job, okay. do you think he's able to have done what Solskjaer has done? No. No. I don't think so. Devil's a advocate. I don't know. I feel like France. Are... You might have him at the end of the season. <laughs> I feel like France are kind of. He probably would have had a good relationship with a lot of them. Martial. I don't know if we can see to leave him out, but um, I feel like the France team probably leads itself by the looks of a lot of the videos and stuff. It doesn't seem like he tends to get involved. They seem too to. They lot. seem to love him at France, though. See the celebration when they were tipping. Oh, the... well, yeah, you you would do. He's a man, but it doesn't seem like he leads a lot. It seems like well, when the video of Pogba doing the whole speech in the dressing room was a bit surprising. I thought. So Hang I thought on, we, see, we saw Delph piping up in that City documentary. Yeah. It doesn't mean Pep's not leading the team. <laughs> All right, if we, um, as we said, go into the future, then so Poch obviously is is the touted replacement, and this was what a uh, Paul Ince got at, and he said, "So who should get the United job in the summer? My choice would be Mauricio Pochettino because he hasn't got a proven track record as a Premier League manager over several. Because he he has got a proven track record as a Premier League manager over several seasons. Solskjaer doesn't. So what happens if Solskjaer wins a trophy? Because he'll have done more than Poch then in the space of a, a season total. <laughs> Alex, Alex fingers are just ready to go. Um, I hate this thing of he's won a trophy and he's not won a trophy." Because I think if you look at the overall things, Spurs. I, I'd say well, Spurs are the most overachieving team in the Premier League ever. I can't. I would, I would you go. said that last time, and I've not got over it. But I, they are, I think. But I mean, Sean's not here today. He said that Poch has taken Spurs as far as he can. So maybe I, he's going to look for a new venture. I, I, I can see what if they don't spend any more money, then yes, he has done. He's he's taken them further than anyone else. I think would have, even even Guardiola, would have. In my I opinion. think Sherwood with this team, 
Solskjaer with his team at Spurs. Yeah. What One thing that you always do with Pochettino and Spurs is you compare them to Arsenal in terms of the same things that Spurs achieve are the same things that Arsenal are sort of slandered for. The, di- the key difference here is that Tottenham are coming from a place they're on the rise, they're rising to where they're achieving, whereas Arsenal were on the decline and they're declining to where they're in. So it's a completely d- different thing. D- declining to three FA Cups in five years while Spurs are rising to a top yeah, four challenge. Yeah, but it's still not, if you were to look, yeah, but if you, you still compare it where you came from in terms of Premier League wins, Champions League finals, it's still a decline. We've had one Champions League final. Give us our 10 seasons over your last 10 seasons and I'll, I'll take Arsenal's. You've gone from title contenders to... FA Cup winners, which we've discussed, which we discussed the other week, don't mean as much as what they used to. Hang on, we came second a few years back. After I'm, you look, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with what I, I like. I'm not disagreeing with what you value and what you want. But I'm saying it's you can't really compare. No, for for example, to compare Poch to a Man United manager is is difficult because, like Connor said about Spurs, haven't invested a lot. Is he? There's no getting away from the fact he's done a great job at Spurs. But I just think it's very hard to. If Solskjaer becomes top four and wins a Champions League for you, it's very hard to get rid of him for Pochettino, who some Spurs fans think has done a good job but isn't going to take him to the next level. It's, if you had another manager who had done similar in another league, United fans would be pulling their hair out. If you had a manager who had done really, really well but hadn't won something, you'd be like, well, why would we not stick with this guy? Well, I, like we've spoken about the appealing things to Man United fans about Pochettino is the fact that he loves his youth. He loves using oh. his <laughs> he loves his youth, um, and United fans seem to love that. Um, and he he has that aura of a plan that you know some, building something, um, and that's what United fans seem to want to like as well. Which is why Solskjaer isn't as appealing because he's a momentum guy at the moment. Well, you don't know that he doesn't have a plan though. His plan pretty so far has been pretty good. Drop, all right, all right. So if you, were to, if you were to, not a bad plan. Right, if you were on to, Nick's premise earlier, you have to have a bad spell to have it. Right. So if Poch gets a job, it's like, look, <laughs> you've won ten games in a row. We're not quite sure on you because you haven't had a bad spell. Right. We've we've already it's cri- only because it's the name Solskjaer. We've already criticised Solskjaer's sort of like you know previous record before he's been at United so far in terms of being ready to get Ricardo if not doing well with him with him in the Championship afterwards. The thing is, you can you can say that he is set up really well tactically in a lot of key games at the moment. Moment, particularly Tottenham, Arsenal, but the thing is, you you don't know how much of that is him and his decisions. He has got a bunch of players that are experienced in playing big games like that, who know what they need to do in games like that. Well, it's why not wasn't working for Jose. Because well, the best in the we all know of the why. Prem, we all know why. We all know why it wasn't for Joe working for Jose because he literally was out of love with those players and they didn't. They hated him and they didn't want to play for him. We also he, then he, just said that. If, a manager who's won the World Cup with France probably couldn't do what Solskjaer's doing. The thing is as well, the thing is as well, you look, if you remember back to Solskjaer's first game, you saw how up for that those United players were. They, you know, there's he's he's come in a few days before that game and all of a sudden they look like they're completely different. It Like completely different in the terms of the way that they're playing, the tactical elements. There's no way he's taught that in a short, in a space of a few days. But if, it is momentum and it's those players, what they know already and the ability that they have alone. The way the players are talking. So Rashford's spoken about how he's finishing and the mentality going into it. And as far as the manager goes, at, at this point, you, got, you, you can only teach so much. So the, the difference between any manager going in, they're not going to teach anything in three days, but... To make that difference, you're you're judging it on whether Jose would have been able to make those same decisions, whether he would have been able to make those same 
get the same points, I suppose. But you're not going to be able to sack him if he goes on. If if he won the FA Cup, then I think you you keep him on from that alone because so we've seen high profile managers come in and struggle in the league. We've seen Pep in his first season it didn't tick off, and I'm not saying that Solskjaer's coming in and being some phenomenon, but if we're going to hold his previous efforts against him, then you're going to be able to do that with every manager because every manager started somewhere and you have to get to that point. And so he's obviously taken his licks, gone away and improved and then come back. If also, if we acknowledge that it's unfair to judge Poch against it, but it's quite unfair to judge a manager on what he did with Cardiff in the Prem. Y- your hands are very tied there. So admittedly, he then hasn't done great in the Championship, but that is a tough division as well. And like Luke said, how many managers have had a, not done a great job first time round? been sat and learn from it. Well, you've got to remember that Poch came into the cha- the Premier League for the first time with that Southampton squad, which was not in a good position at the time. And when he initially came in, it was quite a controversial switch. And yeah. it was, you know, risky in what we terms. And he's built them up from there. And then, surely enough, he's gone on to the next step and taught them and took them. And it's a, I, I so wouldn't say... He's he so he, he, he a job. It, it's, then... a, it's a reliable, consistent trend of improved performance in yeah, every squad that he's get been. United top four, yeah. 100%. You get <laughs> what else? You haven't got anything more than to show for that that he would do like better than Solskjaer. Solskjaer, this my premise is purely on if he won the Champions League, for example. I think United can be ruthless enough that if he won the FA Cup and got top four, they could still get someone else in. I think, but if if that was gets top four and win the Champions League, I, I think your hands are tied. I think you'd have to give it in. Well, this whole thing about the process is that United are bold they don't settle they want constant improvement and so showing an improvement Poch if uh, Solskjaer is to go on and win something then you have to be able to weigh up the case and say that Poch is going to be able to take them further than what Solskjaer has just done from there That's so right. it's going to be a tough he, he, case to he, make you're going to pay a lot less you're going to, you're going to have to what save yourself about 20 million just to get Poch and then you have to look at is Poch even the best option there he is like buying a player. But then he well, he, yeah, you, that, you'd expect that now, don't it? But then yeah. he, has, he has to buy his own players who obviously, well, I say that, he probably... Be thankful he's not Rafa, he does have to buy his own players. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, um, if he, well, he went into Spurs and he, there was a lot of players which probably weren't his type of players, but he made them into his type of players. He's so, also I mean, bought he's, Lorente, Janssen. Yeah, is not... Lamella. No, he didn't, he didn't buy Lamella. No, no, no he's there before. He keeps playing. But I, I, I think uh, this, this month you'll be the first real test for Solskjaer. Obviously, got the Champions League got Liverpool uh, he's gone City. away to, he's gone away to watch PSG and he's already made them lose that's yeah, how no, good he is yeah. <laughs> I think as well there's Chelsea in the FA Cup and in the league I think and if, City so I mean if if you lose one of them that's when you'll see the test of the next big game of how how it goes well if we say now are you keeping him you've got to make the choice now you either let him, he's going to get away or you sign him up now so we say it's till the end of the summer but alright so uh, that's all. Well, who 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 are we getting in? Do well, let's do the thing. That's what I was saying. If you got to make the cho- if you got to make the choice well, now, do we, do we have an option of who's going in? Because if you're saying if yeah. if you're saying Pochettino come in, then I'd say Pochettino. No loyalty. I was, no, 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 no. The there things is, I've heard is, about you, they're there, true. There yeah. is there is loyalty. It's just okay. I I feel like I feel like he's a safer bet. Yeah. Long term. I thought the United way wasn't to play safe, and it was to. Uh... Um, you're saying like that United have got a tough run. I 
regardless, like I said, they went out of the FA Cup and they just maybe dropped a few points in the league. I think as long as they have one, at least one key focal point to focus on, like a bit of momentum in the Champions League, they'll be all right. I think they'll be happy enough in the changing room. Also, like, he will lose games. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he isn't going to go on this run and not lose. Yeah, well, they, so, said, they said uh, to Herrera in an interview, uh, what if you go to the rest of the season and beat And he was like, well, let's be realistic. Yeah. We're not going to. Like, it's it's a harsh season. criteria to give yeah. Solskjaer again. So like, all right, you can't lose another game or else you're not getting the yeah. job. No, no one expected to, him to do what he's done. To make up 11 points already is ridiculous, really. I think he's built enough there that the sort of... The, Team spirit is strong enough that if they do lose a game, it's not going to be oh all this momentum's falling away. Yeah. I think they can get back on the horse pretty quickly. If we just swing it around then before we move on, uh, not what you want, what you think. Do you think start of next season, Shelfshire's in charge? Yes, Alex. Hopefully yes, but no. I I think he'll be uh, in charge. And uh, TK, if you uh, close us out, no, I think I think they go potch hunting. I do. I, I, it'll be potch when I when I say hopefully yes it's like hopefully yes because I think it's the wrong decision for United but I can see them they will they will not go with him alright we'll have to uh, wrap this up we've got a uh, tight schedule to adhere to we've got Goff in the house and uh, we'll move on to some Champions League action over the next fortnight then we have all of the Champions League games kicking off not all of them starting next week, but it's episode 100, so you get into these kind of mammoth occasions on an episode like this. Ashley Goff in the house, I'll, ad- I'll admit here, Goff, I haven't checked the first episode you came in on. I've said that for most people. <laughs> to most be fair, people I, haven't, here. I haven't got a clue either. <laughs> it was a while back. We'll call it 32. Yeah, let's go with that. Were you in for the old mics? Um, I don't think I would. I think it was about halfway we switched... Uh, to the new mics, so around around 50-ish we'll call it. You've still been here for a long stretch and I said this is the, the Spitballing Pod Hall of Fame on this podcast other than Sean who had his chance. <laughs> Alright, if we start with United then to go straight into it, just to have a bit of a seamless uh, switch up. Looking at the odds, United 13-8 to and PSG 4-9 to is generous for PSG. If you're a big gambler I'm looking at that PSG price I'm thinking, ooh-wee. Well, they just lost their first game of the season to Leon. Neymar out, but then you do look through their squad and you, you, you see the likes of Dani Alves, Cavani, Di Maria, Draxler, Marquinhos, Mbappe, Thiago Silva, Verratti. And they had Verratti on the bench because he uh, was nursing an injury on Saturday. So they've still got more than enough there. They're still more than enough for a good team. And th- the thing is, this United team on paper, we should be looking at it as a close game, but it is literally just the form that they've been on so we could have they could have a bad result this weekend and suddenly everyone's going to go doom and gloom because the odds have nearly halved I saw on a preview earlier since uh, Solskjaer has come in and then they've tweaked slightly more with Neymar being out so as a United fan are you going in with any renewed confidence because all of the United fans we spoke to when it was doom and gloom when the draw was done looked at this and said we haven't got a chance I saw people saying but the good thing about this is that we actually don't have a chance, so we don't have anything to get our hopes up for. So are you going into this with any form of... Because I've had it with Barcelona and Bayern. You can tell people as much as you want, we're going to get smashed. And you still go in with that little inkling thinking, you know what, we could actually get some done here. Is it more than an inkling? Are you at all confident? Because you're particularly negative. Yeah, I am. But I think it's important to go in... As PSG are still obviously favourites, I'd say. It's, it's never a better time to play them than right now, 
obviously with the form, obviously them just losing their first game. I watched them the other week actually against Wren and they weren't actually anything special at all. Obviously that French league table is flattering because the Farmers league, league. It, yeah, the league itself, no disrespect to it. Like if they were in the Prem, they, they would be a top six team, but they wouldn't necessarily be smashing the league like they are in France. Um, but no, I, I'm still going in with a little bit more optimism, like you say, um, but still expecting to lose over two legs. Do you think the Liverpool game has given United any more confidence? Because they've certainly shown that they can be got at, but they've also shown then how like devastating they can be from front to back in a matter of seconds. No, that's very true, I think, as well. It's but good, obviously Neymar out is a big, a big plus as well. It's going to be a fun one to watch. And this, and it may just be caught up in the moment. As last 16 tyres go, this is as excited as I've been looking down the list of fixtures, particularly for the English teams, because they're all exciting tyres and they all have that feel of, well, if they turn up, then we could have a great two legs. I think you know that both teams are going to go out there and attack as well. Like If you'd have asked back when Mourinho was in charge, you know exactly what kind of game you were going to get from United. That's the thing, isn't it? So we don't know how how much of a plan B... Solskjaer has in his locker and it kind of follows on from what the conversation we've just had I know you're in um, kind of the back end of it and so we don't know he could be this ridiculous tactician Solskjaer that we've not seen and he could you could think it's Mourinho in a mask he could line up Pogba in a little right in front of the back four you could have done a Fellaini for this I'm going to say that and go out and do that or it could be toe-to-toe whoever scores more wins that that Liverpool City game was as good for that as I've seen in the Champions League tie recently where whenever each team attacked, you genuinely did think that they could score. And this has all the makings because you're not at a firing now and that PSG front line isn't going to lack goals. I, like, I just want to say, like, you draw a comparison to like Real Madrid and the Barcelona squad and you like, go into that game thinking, oh, you know, they, they're probably going to batter us, but there is a small chance... PSG aren't a Barcelona or Real Madrid. I mean, if any, if anything in the Champions League, uh, we've seen that Real Madrid and Barcelona take their chances. They're the squad that if you make one mistake, even if they're having a bad game, you make one mistake, they will not miss that opportunity to break you. PSG, on the other hand, have continually missed that opportunity and not capitalised on it. So I don't think to draw that comparison, it's not that difficult a tie in terms of if you were to compare it alongst Real Madrid or Barcelona. You, you picked PSG to win the competition. I picked the... I picked the got, no, no, no. He's if you remember, both bases tied because no, 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 he no. picked PSG no, no. to win and he's now picked United to win. Do you not win. remember the question? I picked PSG to win the Champions League as a wild... I said as, no, a, as a dark horse wild card That wasn't option. bold prediction week. That wasn't that was at no, the start no, of the season. No, no, but I said it. I said it when I when I said my prediction. I said as a dark horse as a wild well, card choice based on what I just said. You did because we kind of laughed at the idea that PSG were as wild card of all the of all the things. He, he is right though. I have always kind of looked at P- they could have been in our end of cheapers earlier. To be honest, I think I don't think they've ever come close to threatening to what they should potentially be able to do with people like Mbappe and Neymar in the squad. Yeah, and it's it's just that lack of continued, like, you know, they're in that league and it's that lack of clinical moments and, that does... And this is something in their minds whereby they think they come into these big games and they thought, well, we've fallen short before, are we going to do it again? That's what I was going to say. They've obviously choked over the last few seasons in yeah. the Champions League. Their chairman and so on are judging uh, their success on the Champions League. Yeah, when they get Barca or Hayden, obviously, to then yeah, the comeback, exactly. everyone talks about, but... To them, that'll leave them in a bad place. Great manager would have put a performance like that on to bang four past Barca. <laughs> having a having a look at the the PSG side though, 
they have enough players who, with experience there that can dig in, whether they don't have it as a unit. And you're going back, I mean, the, the, the best they've looked is at that two-legged tie against Chelsea where they dug in in the, in the second leg. David Luiz got a header and went absolutely nuts, if you remember. I, I think uh, uh, a person we know cried in a, in a bar <laughs> after during race well, week. Name any name. Said, he w- said he'd never watch football again. But So they've certainly got it there. Thiago Silva is someone who... We, we've, Arsenal have spoken about with their lack of captains at the weekend and having a player that is going to drive you through. We saw in the game against Liverpool with um, Thiago Silva and Marquinhos and I think it was Kimpembe in there as well. The way he's rallying, they were celebrating just clearances, and that that's what you're going to need over these two ties, over these uh, two ties. And Tuchel isn't particularly an experienced coach himself, certainly not on the highest stage. So you're going to have two coaches in there that this is going to be the biggest game either of them have had, and we're going to see then, is someone going to try something spectacular? Is someone going to try and mix it up? Or are they just both going to say, <laughs> you see in fights sometimes where they don't take the other opponent into account they say well if I do everything that we can do best then we're going to get the job done and where it could be like that where you're saying obviously it's the biggest game for both managers as well but I think there's a lot less pressure on Oli compared to Tuchel oh Shell. absolutely but obviously I mean, it's more for him he needs to get this right I mean we, we both don't know how they're going to handle an occasion like this and also we don't know what either is going to be like in terms of outfoxing the other, what tricks they're going to have up their sleeves, how they can adjust the game partway through. Because we saw with uh, Juve last season against Spurs, where literally the the, the slight change um, from Allegri was enough to switch the game. And it's little things like that in the Champions League where over two legs can be enough. And it's going to be interesting to see which one either of these have got. I think that might be one of the biggest problems with PSG, whereby in France they don't have to change it up. It's like you have one gear that you will always win. You're not going to have to make a difference. I think United are going to go into it knowing that even without Neymar, that front line is dangerous. And I think you can plan accordingly. I think a bit of fear is kind of healthy in that regard. I don't know that PSG are going to do that with United. I think they're just going to think, which is good for a neutral fan watching, it would be, we'll go out and we'll play. And we'll see what happens. They're so, going to know that we can see goals for fun as well. Exactly. So. They're going to look at Phil Jones this morning and think, well, we'll, we'll rattle in goals against them. But <coughs> going toe to toe with them, it could be their downfall. I don't like the fact that Dimery is on quite good form as well because it's just written that he's going to score against us. Yeah, he's as good a player as he is. You'd think he's someone who maybe defence can kind of bully a bit, but he, he is going to have opportunities, isn't he? Particularly with, with Neymar out, he's going to become more important. I do worry with. PSG generally that they've got too many people who can do a disappearing act. I think I've, I kind of said it a lot, so he'll, he'll turn up and score against someone at some point. With Bakovani, I always say big game, he won't turn up, so you'll be fine with that. Draxler is one that always seems to he he's got a remarkable ability to kind of avoid responsibility. But if you look at like the German side that failed in the summer, I thought he was as culpable as anyone in terms of he was just anonymous. Very much similar to an Arsenal German midfielder well, as well. Well. It, the only difference being those are kind of everybody knows it and they kind of, he gets the focus whereas I'm, I'm always looking at thinking the only thing I've ever seen with Dracula is linked to a big money move to like people like Arsenal. <laughs> I've never actually saw a game like a big game where I thought yeah Dracula ran that I can see why he's the guy being talked about. He's never really been first fiddle at PSG though because at the same time they bought him then they brought in <laughs> half a squad as well so he shipped out to the wing. He's started been playing deeper in midfield now so it'd be interesting there. It's not really an excuse, though. I mean, you know, you've got to come oh, in and make your presence. It's kind of, you said before, when yeah. you get your chance, you've got to oh, take no. it. It's... No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that it may be that. For the sake of fairness. Yeah. With uh, their team, 
it's it's easy to kind of talk down. They do still have Mbappe, which if you could pick one player from both teams to have on that pitch, you're picking Mbappe. Yeah. Second is probably going to be Pogba when you look at when you look at him down the list, and he is playing like how he's expected to play. And I don't think that should all be held down to Jose. I think Pogba should have a look at himself with uh, some of that because that doesn't that doesn't just switch off. I'm not sure how he feels when he watches match today and gets called that he's told he's galloping every time he goes with the ball because it can't be flattering. I think it seems to like it seems to tend to be though that it's it's, it's intended as a compliment, but it's really not. Hello. All right. Um, so if we move on, to, oh, actually, we get predictions and then we'll uh, move on to the next tie. So, Goff, are you? Daring to pick United to go through over PSG, or I'd love to do that. I'm torn, to be honest. I think maybe a draw at Old Trafford probably go out an extra time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Alex. Uh, we know where you're going. Well, we'll do. Yeah. Well, we, we, no, 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 United. Hundred percent United. <laughs> wow! Wow! Hundred percent. I want that crown. <laughs> well, I kind of want to see it. <laughs> I'm going to card press to go against PSG. I think it will be um, close going into the second leg, but I think going away to PSG, I think they've got enough big game players there to be able to drum it up when they need to. Mbappe in particular, we saw in the World Cup when it got tough, then he had enough about him to kind of grab the game by the scruff of the neck on on his own shoulders and dig that out. It's just going to be whether he has someone like Cavani next to him fluffing his lines for 60 minutes before that. Uh... PSG are still clearly favourites. It's a tough assignment, despite the fact that gaps narrowed. Um, but I'm I'm going to go with United. I like the form they're in. Uh, I think I am someone who does tend to sleep on PSG a little bit, so I will acknowledge that I'm maybe guilty of that. But I just, as I said, I think they've got too many players who I can't really interest in a big tie, and I think United will United's form will carry them through. I think. We'll we'll, we'll see if you sleep on anyone here then, because we're getting to Liverpool and Bayern. So. Um... Liverpool uh, three to four to go uh, through. Bayern evens to qualify. Liverpool going in as the favourites. Um, Bayern lost again this weekend. Three one to Leverkusen this time. Seven points behind and third in the table. So previously they've struggled to go the distance in the Champions League, and they've had the luxury of being able to rest players in the week going before that. It could play in their favour that they can't switch off, and they're going to have to be focused all the way through. But you'd assume they're focused at the moment, and it's still not going their way. This is the tie I'm most excited about this one because, I mean, I've said about Liverpool before that they're always going to give you a fun game regardless because first leg, Van Dijk isn't isn't there, if I'm uh, not mistaken. At Anfield, first leg. So, probably rather be missing him for the Anfield leg, I would say. You'd rather be able to go away and get some of there. Um, It's just whether Lovren goes into best defender in the world mode or or the opposite. (laughs) Or whether he's even going to be able to play, because he's currently injured as well. Gomez has now had to have another operation, so you'd be left with Joel Matip as your only fit centre-half. And when you say fit centre-half, he's he's a bit like company in terms of it just seems to be like a calf injury waiting to happen. But it kind of shows how Liverpool's defence has gone, that he was called the saviour when he first <laughs> came through as being the better defender. I saw Twitter losing their minds on him, and that's uh, quickly, quickly deteriorated. <laughs> so is Kolasinac. All right, um, so Lewandowski only on 12 goals so far this season. He's he's, well, he's he's averaging about 31 over the last three in the league alone. So, so he only did 24 this year. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> no, but you'd think... 
All right, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think if if he if he's not banging, then you're relying on the rest of the team to do so. And you've got uh, Robin and Ribery both in their final year of their career. You could take that as they want to go out on a bang. Or Muller's missing the games as well. Is he? Yeah. Christ. <laughs> he's a, one of my most hated players in all of football. So Thomas Muller. He always is scoring against Arsenal though, which which was a shame. Um, no. I think the biggest question is whether Klopp can balance the competitions. He doesn't have the FA Cup to do, but he's going to have some tough league ties around that and it's going to be shifting the squad. At least Van Dijk, you're going to get to rest him for a game, I suppose, but that that's about it. I think he's at a point where there's ain't a lot of shifting you can do. Players here, one or two here or there, but I think it's just going to have to be see what you can do, lads, because <laughs> with the, a couple of injuries in the defence just kind of left just a bit bare. People having to cover in places that they wouldn't normally be playing, so... I think in games like that, put out as strong a team as you can and just say, go and do what you can. On the flip side, with Bayern, with the league form, I've, not to be a sort of pessimistic, but I know as a Liverpool fan that sometimes if your league form's a bit indifferent, the Champions League can be a, a welcome distraction and can kind of galvanise players. And I think people like Ribery and Robin in the Bayern squad who plenty of people are going to be writing off and saying and maybe past it, I think there's going to be a lot of players in that squad who are maybe keen to address that and the further you fall away in the league the, the more important the Champions League does become as well yeah they're certainly still not lacking the talent so Hammers, Rodriguez Goretzka Kingsley Coman so yeah they're not they're not doing too bad class like Nabry um, might have Hudson Adore on the other wing uh, next oh, year to uh, t- talents from England um, if we get predictions here then and then we'll uh, move on to Spurs and Dortmund. So Goff, if we uh, start with you again. Um, TK, you could say, has tried to jinx you with uh, his United prediction. Do you see Liverpool going through or are you uh, in on Bayern? No, to be fair, I do see Liverpool going through. Um, the only thing which might get them is obviously just the defenders and the injury crisis. But to be fair to them, that's been going on for a while now and they're still getting the results. So... Yeah, over the two legs, I think Liverpool will do it. Do you think Liverpool are going to look back at uh, the end of the season and as, as ridiculous as this may sound now, look back on loaning out Klein because you're not getting anything really for him there yeah. and it's just one more player that you can have with the depth. I mean, he's homegrown, you can slide him in the squad. I think Mingoff actually said at the time, but it was before injuries really set in too much, when we said, like, who is the backup right back then? Yeah, <laughs> we literally had that conversation. We had the conversation and then... As it happened, Trent ended up getting injured and it was like, oh shit, we've got a guy called Camacho who <laughs> last week was supposed to be getting sold and now he might be playing or Milner's going to be there or whatever. Yeah. Hendo there. <laughs> it, is, um, it is Liverpool at home first, isn't it? I'm not basing this on a lot of logical thinking. You know, the favourites <laughs> are... The, the, <laughs> Liverpool are the favourites. I just have a hunch that I think Bayern Munich might get a scrappy victory here. Um, in the second leg, it'll be tight, tight in the first leg. Maybe a draw, a, like convincing, a, a convincing draw in Liverpool's favour. Um, uh, I just have a hunch that Bayern Munich just might, few of the old guard might come out and just rattle them. Um, just maybe a little bit of focus, like eyes on the Premier League. Um, maybe just a little bit of legs lacking in the squad. I don't know, but. I mean, I'm just—it's a hunch. They're clear favourite choices: Liverpool, hunch by Munich. Bayern are going to be in a Klopp's head. I'm—I'm going to say I—I think Liverpool go through. I've got my uh, case on it with Brad, so I'll be uh, rooting for them. Might wear my Bayern shirt to even it out. Cover both. <laughs> cover both bases. 
But uh, I think Liverpool go through. I think goes down to the second leg, but I think they're going to get by by two goal margin minimum. I think by the end it'll be a pull away second half, maybe the second leg. I think with that with that front line, then it's going to be tough for a team to outscore you. And you look at Bayern who aren't in even in the German league banging goals in for fun at the moment to go in against that Liverpool team. They're going to have to make that first leg pay. So it's just going to be a case of or was it Jose keep tie at home and then go away and then bank on getting a result there. So I mean that front line is currently not outscoring West Ham. So, so we're going to keep it. Um, I think Bayern are probably being slept on a little bit. Only I think as I kind of touched on before, I think you can read a little bit too much into league form. Something in these ties kind of take a story of their own. It don't necessarily form doesn't come into it hugely for a team like Bayern with the experience they've got. Uh, probably with. Heart on the head. I will back Liverpool to get through. I feel like I've got to at least say they'll get to the quarters, just out of loyalty. Um, but I think it'll be trickier than people think, and they might have to get a result in the second leg, which wouldn't be an ideal situation. I think you'd want to kind of press home your advantage when at home, and with the injuries that they are, and Van Dijk obviously not being able to play, you're in a difficult position where if you have to get a result at home. But I think Liverpool will just about squeeze through a little bit closer than some people think. All right, then just finally, if we get into uh, Spurs-Dortmund before uh, we get into the final topic and bring uh, Cam in. So Spurs going in as the underdogs, 6-5 to five to Dortmund's 8-13. to 13. No Kane for Spurs. You've got Sun back at least. Um, Dortmund are firing in the league, plus 31 goal difference. No Deli Alley. This, this could be beautiful to watch. Um, I, I think if Spurs press them as is kind of their, their half-pressing style, if they do that half half wrong against Dortmund with the way they're in going from back to front I mean you've got Marco Royce in that team who isn't even the most like prolific uh, guy at top you've got Sancho on the wing who is going to want to be coming back to Wembley to prove a point Paco Alcacer is doing a job up top of them so I think Dortmund are going to make mince meat of Spurs nah they won't make mince meat of us what it's going to be is we're going to put up a decent fight you're going to Lorente. We're going to go with... No, Sun's back. What are you going to show out on the wing? Lamella? Nah, Sun. Just let Sun run the show. Someone else has got to be on as well. <laughs> <laughs> just play Sun on his own. Just Sun. Sun just Sun. Just Sun. All I want to see is Sun. Nah, um, I, I, don't think, I don't think Dortmund will roll us. I think we will have a bit of promising momentum, which will get the optimistic Spurs fan up. But I think it can just be like a, a scrappy loss. Dortmund making a clinical victory, uh, like a goal... In the second leg, um, I, like, I could see us literally. I could see us drawing the first leg, bit of momentum showing, even with Kane missing. Maybe came back in the second leg, but I, I can just see us just going out in a close fought match. I just another literally a Juventus game all over again. I, I just can. I was with a full strength Spurs team as well. Goff, uh, are you giving Spurs a chance? I actually, to back up Alex's point, actually think, yeah, they won't get rolled, like you're saying. I think they will put up a bit of a scrappy fight, but over the two legs, Dorman's class will show through in the end, and it will just be like the odd one or two goals over the two legs. Fortunately for them, they're not only ahead by a couple of points, they're up by seven points, so... Exactly. If they need to, and I'm not sure you want to take your foot off the gas with uh, Bayern or Leverkusen or anyone else in behind, but you can really afford to do it. Say so you need to for the second leg and you want to rest a couple of players, then they're in a position where they are able to do so. 
And as we said with United, momentum is a huge thing. And if you're on a roll as they are at the moment. Mm. Is Kane definitely out for the second leg? They well? say this every time and he just pops back. I I think he will play the second leg by the looks of things. Uh, but he's definitely out for the first leg. Uh, in Where's a way... The first leg at home? Or like, it, home so Spurs. The, the thing is as well, like, you know, anything's possible. If they do roll us in the first leg, do you bother playing him in the second leg? If he's rushing him back for fitness, I mean, you know, yeah. you go four nil down. Got that top you, four trophy you, you lose, you lose four nil in the first leg at home. It is at Wembley first, isn't it? Um, you lose four, four leg, which is not impossible. Um, you know, it's it's not why pay, why play him in the second leg? Because I don't think we. I, I can't see us coming back from four nil at Dortmund. I thought they weren't getting rolled. I don't think we will, but you know, it's definitely it's definitely possible. It's, it's just unlikely. All right, TK, if we bring you in to uh, close us up. I was originally going to go with the English teams to go through, but Kane not being there for Spurs, even if it's a half-fit Kane coming back, I think is going to be a problem for him. I think we'll have a closer tie than you might think, depending on mind the form Dortmund are in and the injuries Spurs have got. I do think it will be one that goes down to the wire, but I think... Dortmund should still just have enough, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Spurs did pull it off. I think this is a classic sort of backs to the wall, all hands to the punt sort of thing that I've seen in the Champions League can be. I've said the word galvanised already on the podcast. So I feel I can't say it twice, but that sort of thing I think it could be good for the Spurs squad. I wouldn't be surprised if they did do it, but I'll go with common sense and go with Dortmund. On to the home straight then. The Major's back. First appearance since episode... Not first appearance. His first appearance was episode 5. We're now continuing. Back. Famous for his Hammers Rodriguez to Everton shout. Famous for his Jordan takeover LeBron, which was fiery. Back with the famous Matt Barnes moment with the old mics. And now back for the Super Bowl. That is true. Um, unfortunately, I can't edit my Yair... Um, not yeah, yeah. Hamez Rodriguez comment. I don't I, have those powers. No editing goes on here. Uh, we've gone into all sorts here. Just in the first hour or so, I've told Troy I've ignored him several times in the morning. Wow! While he's there, so Christ, no filter here. Also, we're finishing a bit later, so I don't like to spend too long editing. I give it uh, raw, raw am, and uncut. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I see you haven't shaved since I left the podcast. <laughs> you got to give the barber something to work with. so That's true. Also, I don't really leave the house too much. so <laughs> also It's not true. too bad. Cast away. Should have beach ball I got in my room. All right, on to the Super Bowl. Did you think the Patriots would do it before the game? You were very uh, in on the Rams earlier in the season. No, I, I like the Patriots coming in. The Rams kind of teetered off towards the end of the season. Had an amazing first half of the season. I actually thought they might go unbeaten. It looked unbelievable. I think they averaged around 35 points a game. But they came into the Super Bowl and, you know, I think for casual fans, you look at, for casual fans, it wasn't a great Super Bowl. You know, they want to see touchdowns, they want to see Odell Beckham catches, they want to see Tom Brady touchdowns. But for actual fans, it's actually really good because you got to see another part for to the Patriots and that was Belichick putting on a defensive masterclass. Yeah, we spoke about this last week and said that, as you said, when you understand it and you've been watching for a couple of years, then you can appreciate that kind of like in boxing when you have a bit more of a technical fight and you know not every fight is going to be people swinging from the hip. But if we kind of go through the game as it was uh, and then we'll get through it. So 
yeah, as you said, defensive masterclass. Belichick now becomes the most successful coach in Super Bowl history. The oldest winning coach in Super Bowl history at 66. Um, 32.9 points a game in the regular season. And then they were obviously limited to three there. Just the, the first thing that, if we kind of go back to front, that huddle after they've won. I don't know how late you stayed up after the game. I'm sure you assume you had work today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, them crowding around Brady with about 500 photographers. And the uh, poor woman in the middle. Have you seen the pictures? There's a, they show just how bad it is. And the woman trying to interview him. Must be about five foot. And there's just clips of her just getting literally just like chucked <laughs> from side to side <laughs> while she's trying to keep the mic there like that. Brady's trying to let people in. And then coaches behind you. <laughs> kissed Belichick, which still isn't the worst thing he's kissed, uh, <laughs> as we know with Brady. But going through then, started when you get a chance like an interception early doors and then they miss a field goal you can't you can't forfeit chances like that against the Patriots can you no. we were saying that they're as close to a team that's going to give you a minimum of a good performance every time and then you have to outdo that yeah absolutely I mean you look at the last Super Bowl I think the Eagles they put up over 40 points yeah um, they literally went through the whole against, book <laughs> against the Patriots and they still lost so when you have a chance and you have a chance so early on in the game we I know. I think it's clear Brady isn't what he was. Um, you get an interception early doors. As you said, you miss a field goal. You've really got to capitalise on those chances. Um, but unfortunately, I think Jared Goff's inexperience showed. Um, didn't have a running game. Todd Gurley, in my opinion, is clearly hurt. CJ Anderson didn't get going. You know, we, we were saying with Gurley because they kept having him off. At least have him on there, and you can paint the picture that you're going to use him. It seemed like after the first quarter, everything the Rams did just looked so obvious. Like they weren't going through their play, but we saw the Eagles resorting to having Foles catching passes. Eagles, we, I think a third of their passes in the regular season were play action. We said if you give Belichick at least two weeks to put up a game plan for that, then he's going to shut it down. And they shut down the play action every single time they did it. I think the longest pass in the game was 29 yards. Yeah. Brady didn't. Brady didn't connect with a single deep shot. Apart from anything with the girly thing, whenever they brought him on, it was obvious, right, they're going to put it in his hands. It's not like there was ever a time of bring him on, faint to do it, and then put it in Goff's hands. It was literally, the only time he was on the pitch was for him to run the ball. It was just, you may as well have sort of painted a picture for Belichick of what you're going to do. and oh, Okay, and I'll kind of work it out from there. Yeah. I think you've got to remember as well that you've got Jared Goff, first Super Bowl. Sean McVay, first Super Bowl. Both very... It's know, the Jared least Jared inexperienced Goff's second team. second or third year. Yeah, it's the least inexperienced Sean McVay's first, second year or first year head coach. Going up against Brady and Belichick, they've been to nine Super Bowls in their career. It's complete, complete master versus apprentice kind of thing here. Um, disappointed with the Rams just because, as you said, they didn't show any variety. But going on to the Foles comment, I think... Jared Goff's inexperience really did show because Foles is a veteran. I think he had more weapons, um, arguably on offense. I think, you know, with Todd Gurley hurt, that takes out, you know, 50%, let's say, of the Rams' offense. What they had in the regular season clearly didn't have it in the playoffs. They shouldn't have even been in the Super Bowl. Don't get me started on that. My Saints should have been in there. Um, you see, there was a whole parade to boycott the Super Bowl in New Orleans. It's I horrific. It. As there should be. It's a big parade. Yeah. <laughs> the worst blown call in, uh, in American football history, maybe in sports history. Um, is that up there with Diego Maradona's handball? You know, that's what people are selling me. 
I walk down the street, people are shouting at me. You know, that is up there with Diego Maradona's handball. But what about Sol Campbell's silver goal in Euro 2004? Yes. There you go. The, I thought the best thing the Rams did, obviously, it wasn't during the game. They both they owned it after. Like we saw Cam Newton come off whimpering after yeah. he was, and Sean McVay said, "Look, I can't gloss over. I was out coached." He said, "I, I'm disappointed myself. Mm-hmm. I was out coached." And Goff, I thought because it was easy to kind of look over it, he said the most disappointing thing is the defence excelled themselves and our job yeah. is to put points on the board and we haven't we if haven't done could, that. If you could offer the Rams before the game, we're going to hold the Patriots to 13 points. You would honestly, every one of us here would say Rams are going to take the Super Bowl. Yeah. Rams are probably going to put up 20 to 30 points. Mm, say they're going to get more than that. But, you know, disappointing. Where do they go from here? Because they won't get some of those, you know, is in Sue going to stay At next season, they, etc. They've got Cap space reduced. Yeah, they got less than a million in cap space for next season. They got four hundred and forty-four k to bring over. Yeah, I, I don't, I, 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 don't think they'll be able to. And they've got to pay Jared Goff soon. Um, I just don't think they'll get a better opportunity than this one. Just for a team that was kind of built on kind of innovating and different offensive players, they didn't even like threaten a touchdown. It wasn't just no. that when you look at the score, you think okay, maybe they had some some, some bad sort of luck on them when they got into the end zone, but it was just. There's no real sort of penetration, no giggling, but just nothing, uh, no real threat there at all. And when he did eventually throw the interception at the end, you were kind of like, you know what's going to happen. Here. If he, As he, he was he doing have thrown that ball earlier. As he was doing he it, you were like, touchdown. yeah, it was like, you can see exactly what's happening there. Well, they, sh- they shut down the running game so much that it forced the ball into Goff's hands. And so there was no element of surprise. So even when you're doing a play action, you knew there yeah. was no even like a threat of a running thing. I think they said on commentary when they lined up for a fake, they were like, this is the most obvious fake that we've ever seen. And so yeah, in the end, they, yeah. they called them to get offside. But I think, yeah, the, the creativity is what did it. As you said, it could be their last chance for a while, but on the plus side, then they do have a young coach who speaks, sounds like he's going to be there for the duration. You never uh, know. I mean, what do we call a duration? What's, what's class as duration? Because well, we, we we're seen... saying they, they could, let's say, they, what, I mean, I imagine they'd make the playoffs next year, but let's say they don't. How long do you give him before, you know, this is a cutthroat business? Yeah, but you see some of the awful coaches that are able to I stick around. Just moved to LA. I, I think. You know, got success has to happen. He probably would be short quick. demand if he did go there. There probably would be teams who would pick him up. Absolutely. But I, I, I just think you look at Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes put up a good fight against Brady. Um, well, that's, they're almost, you know, they were unfortunate exactly. that it's the Patriots they got there because if they'd gone against the other Chiefs they could have just had a gunslinging contest for the Super Bowl and that would have been it and you would have been able to have the more variety in there I think there's an aura against playing the Patriots that you you probably double bluff yourself in a way because you're thinking that the Patriots know your every move going into it I'd agree but then look at the when the Patriots played the Eagles Eagles put up a huge amount of points The, the Falcons they put up a large number of points you know, it's not as if teams haven't been able to score against them in the playoffs before. We're we're lucky that Edelman was there in the first half, or there literally would have been no yardage at all. <laughs> yeah, I called MVP Edelman for after the first quarter. I think <laughs> he was the only. I've him get to hundred yards, <laughs> and I called it. But he was he tore them up. He had so much space every time he had a pass. Um, well, rare Gronkowski, I think, is on his last. I think he's done. Yeah, he said this might be his last game. A rare good time of Skip breaking it down on uh, Undisputed. He was talking about it today. And he said the perfect thing about Edelman was, for a start, 
you respect him, but only to an extent. You don't look at him as being a guy that's going to torture your whole team. And so they just kept going to Edelman more so. I'm trying to think of it. Also, if you just keep shooting down the middle in, when you're in a penalty shootout, and then eventually when they stick down, go down the middle and you put it in the side. And he said they literally kept going down the middle until they saw the Rams adjusted to it. And then they had that ball over the top and it was just wide open because they'd started thinking they were going to have a smart Belichick and he was already two steps ahead. But I think some of the hyperbole after saying nobody expected these guys to get there. Oh, People are talking like it was Leicester winning the league, Patriots winning it. They still have. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. Though, midway through the season, I didn't expect them to get that. I thought. Oh well, I, 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 after week four, I picked the Jags to win the Super Bowl. So that <laughs> you're as deluded as Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> that that didn't age well. But as much as people were picking against the Patriots, and people aren't saying that they were tipped to win it from the start of the playoffs, it's still not quite like an outrageous thing. It's it's like the equivalent of having. Madrid, Barca, PSG and Juve and then PSG going through and winning it of the four. They're still good enough to be within the contention of those four. It's not outrageous when you have a squad that talented to go on and win. It's probably more like a, say like the Barca team towards the end of Guardiola's time where it was not as quite as good as it once was but it's still good enough that okay it's declining but it still can be ahead of the other teams on its given day. You know? mm-hmm. Look at say the page it's last regular season not this one season before they started the first how many games did they lose to start with? It was the first four games and they had like the worst defensive record of the league. Everyone was like, alright, this is it then. It's kind of end of an era. And ended up getting to the Super Bowl. Okay, they lost to the Eagles, but when you see them do that, I think you can kind of treat it as once they're in the playoffs, you know that they're probably going to yeah, be there. But I think you're missing the point about what, what is outrageous. The outrageous part is Brady's over forty years old, but the, and the, really, the outrageous part is Belichick's sixty. Was he sixty six? Yeah, the thing with the thing that's with what's outrageous. Belichick is we see in football, particularly Wenger being probably the key, the key choice of that. Coaches usually are stuck in their ways, and so they get to a point, and then it evolves past them. He's clearly evolving with the game still, but we we spoke last week about the brilliance of Brady is that obviously he's made enough cash to be able to last for about six lifetimes. So he sacrifices some of his wages so he has the offensive line in front of him so they do struggle to get there. And he was under pressure yesterday but not not to the point where he wasn't under as much as Goff, for example. And going into the other, going into the game, it was tipped it was going to be the other way around. It was going to be how much they can get to Brady. And he looked, one, far more equipped to deal with the pressure. And you think, what, a 41-year-old body or whatever he is, to have to deal with that, you he'd be far more kind of fragile or looking to take the hits over Goff, who you would think would be able to take that move on and expect it. He looked like he was shocked at points when he was when they were coming at him. Well, I think the thing with Goff is, you know, and what's important to also know is the crowd was very pro-Patriot. Yeah. You know, it wasn't for LA. There's a lot of noise. Did you see what they said before the game? Super Bowl, what did they say? They said that um, until Friday, the Rams didn't practice with any crowd noise because they just assumed it would be like a Super Bowl crowd. Silly, um, and they. I, I did uh, hear earlier today that apparently Sean McVay was um, giving Goff the plays, but also telling him who he's going to pass to before the play. So what happens then is when the play goes, he can't make any adjustments because he's already clued in. So I'm going to pass to such and such, um, and with the noise that's there, that's just a recipe for disaster. Little things like that when you you find out afterwards, you're like, what were they even thinking to to do that? Surely you'd tick every box in the Premier League system if you if you lose in fair play, but it seems just like a no brainer. I think the game does 
aid those who kind of want to talk more about Belichick's tactical prowess rather than Brady. It's not not a black mark on Brady, of course. It's obviously it's a great, it's another achievement for him. But you looked at it and thought that was a tactical sort of masterclass from the coach. And if you look at Brady's numbers just in isolation, if you take the name away, you don't know who it is. It's like, okay, the quarterback did well, but it wasn't spectacular. If you look at, he didn't ha- ever have to throw deep or anything. So it wasn't anything like that. But it was, it was a kind of a display of how Belichick can kind of treat it like almost like a chess game. Do you have a coach that's trying to keep up? We say all this, but if um, Cooks had held on to the 24-yard pass, then it would have been completely different, and there would have been even more onus on the Patriots stuff to go down the other end. Yeah. But obviously... But I would give Psycho Tom the... Um, oh, yeah, do you see all of, his, all of his Super Bowls, he's won it with a fourth-quarter drive, yeah. which is, like, incredibly clutch, but... Greatest athlete of all time. Put it up there. Um, no, because he doesn't, to, have to, he doesn't have to play defence for a start. But he's, every game's a game seven. Yeah, that's a good that's a, that's a good point. But I, I think just, for whatever reason, the word athlete just seems to from in that he's not athletically superior to someone like Michael Jordan, is he? But I think if if you're talking who's sportsman, yeah, if, yeah. If that was the case, then yeah, I don't know why the the word athlete and Brady don't seem to tally up well in my mind. Not I kind of awkward look in. <laughs> All right, if if we um, switch up sports then to uh, close out episode one hundred. Um, some NBA trade reactions so Chris Stapp's Paul Zingis hinted to the Knicks he'd rather play elsewhere late last week um, within half an hour he'd been traded to <laughs> Dallas so that tells me either there was already a little something on the table that he'd reached out because they played uh, the Mavs the day before and he was winking and smirking at the uh, um, Donkic um, or they had the call from uh, the Mavs and they thought Christ we're not getting a better deal than this you're taking all of the expiring contracts we're trying to get rid of. Plus, given Dennis Smith Jr., who they say they wanted, they could have got in the draft previously and got until Aquino, which still baffles me. <laughs> and you get um, an expiring contract in DeAndre Jordan, who I suppose, if he likes it, then you can maybe sign him up for less if nobody's going to give him a max next year with the amount of uh, big free agents that are available. So the question is whether you think the Knicks won the trade, whether you think the Mavs won the trade, or whether they're both coming away thinking that they won it? Um, well, I, I mean, you you can't say that the Knicks have won the trade until they sign a free agent. No, That's, no, they, they've won the know. trade so far. Well, how, how have they won the trade so far? Clearly, right, let's, hang on, let's just say in a, in a different world, they don't sign any marquee free agents in the summer. I think there's enough that they're going to get at least one. Let's say they don't get any. Have they won the trade? I'll, give me Kemba Walker, I'll be happy. <laughs> That was I. I don't think Campbell Walker would be a good fit in New York. Um, well, in my opinion, I think both sides come, should come away happy with that. Dallas comes around. They've got Porzingis. He's not going to play this season, but he's going to play next. They become the European hotbed. Well, he may be the first. He may be the first European one fans. to turn down the rookie qualifying offer. Potentially, but you play playing with Doncic. You've got Nowitzki there for the rest of the year. Good mentor for him. The Knicks have their opportunity to go out there and get some free agents. I'm hearing Kyrie. I'm hearing Kevin Durant. I'm not going to disclose my sources. But <laughs> let's just say, I think the, the best fit for the Knicks is Kyrie Irving. I think he would absolutely light it up. Is there. he However, the winner he, of the trade, Kyrie? Because now he's got everyone held to ransom. I think he'll stay in Boston, um, in my opinion. I think he stays in Boston because I think they can get to the finals this year. I would, If I had to put money on who was going to come out of the East, I'd put Boston at the moment. And the only reason I do that is because Kyrie's a much better closer than Kawhi. Um, so we're talking playoff basketball down the street. Hey, you can bring Kawhi with him next team. year. I don't. Kawhi's not a good fit in New York. In my opinion. We'll take any of them. 
Um, and maybe, take. and maybe Durant. <laughs> but I think, I mean, if they, if the Knicks end up with Kyrie and Durant, I honestly don't think it's going to work out very well. Because because uh, we've also already seen Kyrie's not a leader, and Kevin Durant isn't the leader either. I think Kyrie, if any, he's he's learning how to become a leader. So we could get all the chips in place ready for New York next year. But you you never know because there's also a lot of veterans who are also free agents next year. So you can get two maxes and you can get someone alongside to kind of fill in or you could get like DeAndre Jordan who's going to just a kind of someone else to be like an authoritative figure. But looking across them, it looks like the Knicks have kind of said, look, Porzingis isn't going to stay. This is the best chance we have to blow everything up and go from scratch. And this is the best possible time, this free agency. It's been spoken about for years as the one. If you're going to blow it up and kick off now, then this is the one. Um, getting rid of uh, Hardaway Jr., it was mental that they gave him that contract to begin with. They gave him like 90 million. His, previous, his, his only offer prior to that was less than 20. <laughs> so that was wouldn't Knicks. It, wouldn't it be a classic Knicks thing not to get any of them? Yeah, I said it would be like the, the Lakers one where they got Luol Deng and Mozgov. What we've also got to remember, though, is the Knicks effectively, you know, they just shoved off a load of players. They could very easily get that number one pick. Yeah. And then we've seen what happens with that. Zeon, you know, you, KD, Kyrie. Well, do you even flip the Zeon if you get number one? Do you flip it for Anthony Davis if he's not gone to the Lakers at that point? No, because then you have to bank on him re-signing. I mean, but if they'd already signed yeah, a couple of okay. free agents, I think that's pretty attractive offer. Um, on another note, I think if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, they sign Clay Thompson, um, and they absolutely kill the West. We'll get on to them, but they were chancing, uh, we want Clay at the game. Uh... Clay Thompson's the best fit next to LeBron out of any player yeah. in the NBA. And I don't think Anthony Davis is a great fit, because bigs don't typically excel with LeBron. He's more versatile, though, than the previous bigs that he's had to... But he's not a great shooter. He's, he's not bad, but who we've seen that spacing imagine is lining the up, most important imagine thing to have with LeBron. Imagine lining up against LeBron and Anthony Davis, the, the physical <laughs> side of it, and compete against them too. But he's also injured, bro. Oh, yeah, so that's the thing the Knicks said about Paul Zingis, who, I don't know what, something just clicked last week, and I thought, you know what? I don't actually want him here. <laughs> he burnt the jersey. He burnt the jersey. <laughs> I wanted Dennis Smith Jr., Go back my tweets and you'll see that. Well, I said to you before about like just through various different players, like would you trade for Persingas? And it, literally without even hesitation, like no, no, I would not. Literally as soon as this was announced, like you know what, things are the best, great decision. I, I, I think you might end up. Jimmy Butler is one to keep an eye on for the Knicks because I don't what? think he'll stay in Philadelphia, and I think well, maybe he could be so an okay fit. So you've got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, Demarcus Cousins, and Tobias Harris. If Knicks end up with Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton said he wants to stay in Milwaukee, and Tobias Harris, then Christ, I think Chris Middleton will stay in Milwaukee. But I th- there's, mi- there's mixed emotions. Obviously, you never know. Paul Zingis could now, and he could go on and fulfil the potential that he looks like he'd have. Oh, cat, if it gets picked up, <laughs> it's upstairs. Se- seven foot three can shoot threes, and is improving physically. Put that yeah, down. Is, yeah, but at the same time, you don't have a sub player of that size that's come off an ACL before um, that's had issues. Um, I'm well, not saying the he's the next Yao Ming, but Yao Ming was unbelievable, had a foot issue, never came back to his real self, had to retire early. So we don't know what's going to happen. But I think for the Mavs, it's, you know, they were talks of them moving Dennis Smith Jr. anyway. It's a good gamble to take. Luka Doncic is yeah. 
you know, great. Porzingis works better as a two rather than a number one the, option. As the well. biggest thing the Knicks have, and that's not going to change, is they're in New York and they have MSG. And no, neither of those things are going to change. And players are always going to want to play at MSG. And players are always going to want to be in New York. It just so happens that previously, the owners, and you may look at Phil Jackson now, if he released a book in so, so long, because he's spoken out about Porzingis for a long time, tried trading him on draft night last year. And he was hounded out by a Knicks fan for that. Amongst other ever since mm. on the Knicks, though, wasn't it? So <laughs> I'm saying that that's maybe something. But people always want to play, and now there's seemingly. Do they always want to play for the Knicks? Well, I mean, I'm letting on to. Really last few years, don't suggest for the Knicks. I mean, <laughs> apart said, from Carmelo, they've got a new organisational structure, so they're saying that seemingly they're set up to be able to do I, that. But and I think, and sorry to cut you off. The issue with the Knicks are they're not interested in winning championships as much as they're interested in seeing a player score 56. Well, James Harden would be the ideal Nick. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. never going to win you a title, but he's going to put up 60 well, points. Well, this is, this is the thing now that one guy isn't having to go there and carry it, so two guys can team up and say, well, us together in the East, we're going to be able to do a job. I, I think, yeah, I agree. But I think even, I just don't think they can get, I don't think they will get the right free agents. I don't think, I mean, they might get one and, you know, I said to him before that it's a they they're in potentially an ideal situation, but they're maybe the number one franchise you wouldn't want to deal with this situation. So, yeah. are you going to back them to to get it right? Absolutely, and even if they got it, the East is slowly. If you, it's, I think the East is slowly becoming the more competitive conference because I think Philadelphia next season. Joel Embiid is a monster. Is it always he's only going to get better. Whatever? In, in I feel like we can't, we're always saying it's going to be. But that, I mean, it could be this season. They, yeah. look, they could go for a playoff run. In the Knicks' uh, shoes, all you can do is put yourself in position to be able to get those free agents, though. Yeah, so they've done absolutely. their part, and then you just have to be able to tie that out. I mean, just to uh, close us out, then. So with Anthony Davis, then, where do you think he ends up, and where do you think he um, should end up? I think. He- I think he'll go to the Lakers this this side um, this season. I think the Lakers are going to give up a lot to get him, um, and you know, there's no guarantee they're even going to make the playoffs this season because we don't know when Anthony Davis is coming back. LeBron seems game to game at the moment. Still, is something not quite right that we're not hearing about. Um, I think he goes to the Lakers. I don't, as I said, I don't think it's a great fit. Um, I think LeBron, will, but if he goes. And they get a Clay Thompson in the summer, then it works out. Max fine. Kellerman was saying that if they go for AD, then you look at the unrestricted free agents this summer, and you've got the likes of Danny Green, Dinwiddie, Miritich, Bogdanovich, Marcus Morris, and you've got someone there that you can put in as like the vets alongside the two stars. And so, if they can trade whatever they need to trade now, then they can get there eventually, whether it's next season or not. I are they in a much worse position if they sign them up than if they get rid of people like Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, etc. I suppose, but if you look at like Kuzma, he's only one year younger than Anthony Davis. So yeah. you look yeah. at the ceiling and you think, as much as we're being told, well, you've got to keep hold of these guys with the young core. Yeah, I mean, if you get if you can get a chance to get him, go get him, and then try and grow from that in the summer. Well, I don't think anyone in the Laker Nation is uh, trying to win the championship this season. They know that's not possible. They might not even make the playoffs. But if you get AD and then you can put another piece around him with some bets they all of a sudden become the favourites next season. So. LeBron seems like a guy as well who is going to be honest with himself when his body isn't able to do what he thinks he can anymore. And so I think he's more than smart enough to be able to bring someone like Anthony Davis in 
and he said that he doesn't want to always for for the foreseeable future be the guy who has the ball twenty four seven. That's what they wanted Lonzo to be. But his play know. is with the ball twenty four seven. He mostly says that I can't see the. Yeah. I, almost like a, a guy who can't give up responsibilities. Like, I want it. It's on me. Just is it, is it this Thursday the trade deadline? Next Thursday. Uh, this Thursday. This Thursday. All right. So we've got um next week to uh, get back into that. We'll see what happens, but. Suppose that if we uh, wrap that up for now, then because uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, I'll see you on episode two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Trade deadline next week. Uh, your article can go up on the site as to why Anthony Davis is going there to the Lakers. Thank you for uh, listening to episode one hundred. We'll be back next week. Not sure what day that'll be yet for uh, episode one hundred and one. Thank you to everyone that came on. Cam, pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week. Hopefully. Uh, with several more hundred to come. Thank you.